Hello, welcome to StarkCast. I'm Joe Stark, and tonight I am talking with my friend, Old Man Shooty. What is up, dude? Gracias. Gracias. Hey, man. Doing good? Um, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Past my bedtime and everything. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. This is long overdue. I should have had you on you're chicken ago. shit. You're totally totally chicken <laughs> shit. That's why I kept putting the gonzo and the chickens. It's like, I got Brooke Darty. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> I get it. Brooke is great, by the way. This is not this is not a reflection on Brooke uh, at all. It's a <laughs> you're too chicken shit to talk to me. I'm surprised you actually said yes. That's fine. <laughs> well, that doesn't hold up at all because I did your My Stories show and, and like opened up about, you know. Issues the longest, the whatnot. longest my story ever on the worst uh, internet ever, and uh, you and I were just talking. It'll probably be the last one. I'm not probably just not going to do it anymore because that's the way we're going to go out. Joe Stark, done. Drop mic drop. Done. <laughs> Dude, those are fucking great too. They are great. I just got to find time to do it, and then people have to be open for it. So you know, it's really really cool. So you've had Brian on, and I was like, Brian, we should do my story. He's like, nobody wants to listen to me. Right. And then you have the longest show ever with Brian. And, um, you know, it, it and I love Brian. God bless Brian. Um, he's such a great and awesome guy. Uh, and he's really probably the most humble guy I've ever met. Right. It's mm-hmm. just totally, totally humble. Like no one wants to listen to me. No one wants to hear my story. Unless I talk about mushrooms and dropping acid, then for sure. We want to uh, want to listen to my story. So, yeah, that's great that that uh, you got Brian. Uh, you got Brian on. I I couldn't get him on, but it's finding those individuals out there that are willing to open themselves up because <clears throat> not everybody is. Um, although we have a really nice type type group of people who do uh, occasionally open up. Like even today, uh, who was it? It wasn't James Hop, but somebody <laughs> so, um, somebody who's new to the army um, just started venting about getting fired. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah, I did. I don't want to name their name, um, but it was a hop, so I, I can't remember. I'm, my my apologies, you're new. You'll get to know me. You'll hate me as much as everybody else, and that's <laughs> fine. But uh, but I felt I, I, it was great that hey, you can open up to a bunch of strangers and say today really fucking sucked, um, and then hopefully find some peace in in all of that. And and to me, that's that's cool, right? Um, yeah, like Brooke po- posted something. Brooke dot read. Uh, is it Dory Dot Brooke? We love you. I can't pronounce your last name. It's past <laughs> my bedtime. She posted something about um, how she has a high emotional intelligence. How's your EQ? Or do you have a high emotional intelligence? Yeah, yeah. I'm a very empathetic person, and that is- so that's it's like well to the point where there's just certain movies and shit that I can't watch. Because it's like, I'm going to connect way too much to these characters that are fucking fictional, and it's just going to make me feel like dog shit. And so, yeah, I just there's just certain things I'll stay away from. Well, being having a high emotional intelligence is awesome, right? Because that's why people are drawn to you. Because we're empathetic individuals, um, people are drawn to you. That, that is a wonderful thing. The, the curse to empathy is that you just feel everything. And I totally get the whole movie thing. Like, I'll go to a movie and they'll play a trailer for, like, Remember the Titans or um, Rudy. And halfway through, I'm bawling my eyes out, right? Because I'm a big pussy. And um, 
you know, my ex-wife, we'll, we'll talk about her, um, I'm sure, a lot this episode, but she, was, she would make fun of me for it. She'd be like, don't cry. What the hell's wrong with you? And I'm like, oh, it's sad. <laughs> and, and things like that are powerful and they're moving. So the, if you understand, my point uh, going full circle on all this is if you understand that you have high EQ, you can really do a lot of great things. I mean, look at what you're doing, Joe. So you're you're reaching out to people, you're connecting to people, and you're doing it for good, right? Um, I, I have a really tight-knit team. Um, we get a lot of things done, um, but we genuinely care for one another, and everybody in my organization wants to work for me. Isn't that a sad thing to happen, right? So be, because I'm highly empathetic and I'll be on a call with somebody and like I had a one-on-one with my, one of my employees today and halfway through, I just had to stop and say, is everything okay? And it turned out that not everything was okay. So we had the opportunity to go ahead and talk about those things. Anyway, full circle of Brooke is that she opened herself up and I had an opportunity to say, you know what? All you got to do is understand that that's your superpower, right? I'm an empath. I tell people, actually, I heard somebody, I'm stealing this from somebody else. I was at a convention um, and this uh, VP from Verizon gets up. She's talking about her empathy and she goes, uh, I'm an empathic badass and um, that's my superpower. And I thought that that was just so cool because a lot of times people look at empathetic people and go, you're, you're weak, right? Yeah. And uh, so, so I had the opportunity to go ahead and tell Brooke, hey, listen, what you need to do is just understand that that's your superpower and you're going to be great. Right. So, yeah, every once in a while, like if I'm in an organization and massive layoffs are coming and it's the day for the massive layoffs, um, I don't want to be there because it's just going to suck. But on the flip side of that, I'm the person that has the opportunity to help bring people together and pick up the pieces when it's done, assuming that I don't get laid off. Right. Yeah. do you remember? Um, I'm, 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 no, I'm rambling. I'm tor- terribly sorry. Do you remember Leo Biscaglia? <laughs> you know who Leo Biscaglia was? No, the name does sound familiar, though. He's passed on. My mom and dad used to watch PBS all the time. So I have some of that in me. Leo Biscaglia wrote a book. He, uh, I can't remember what university he used to teach him, but he wrote a book and he taught a class um, at, I'm going to say Harvard or Yale or some big school like that. And, and the class was all about love. And his book was about love, right? It was just titled Love. I uh, needed a bunch of other books. But one of the things I, I remember, he gave a, a seminar. And by the way, he would talk for like an hour and a half. He sweat like a fucking pig, right? He was one of those guys that had a towel on stage with him, and he'd just be wiping his face all the time. Um, and after his sessions, people would line up for hours just to give the guy a hug, and that's what he did. You know, come on down if you want a hug. He gave everybody in an auditorium thousands of people hugs. But I'll never forget this. One of the uh, best quotes Leo had, he, t- he said, um, it is the weak who do not cry. Where those are the ones who are afraid to show others how they really feel. And yeah. you, let that, you let that sink sink in for a while, and it's really cool. Um, it, it does work, though, when you're dating a narcissistic bitch who doesn't understand that you're empathetic and thinks you're a pussy because you're uh, crying and you throw out Leo Biscaglia. I'm just telling you right now, it doesn't work. Didn't fly for me. So, you know, that's that. But, you know, as a man, though, don't you find that that although things are changing, but you mean we for, for the longest period of time, men had to be the rock 
of any relationship, right? Yeah. Um, and so because of that, I think there's a big stigmatism around being empathetic and being a guy. I mean, it's so it, it, it's it's perfectly acceptable to be empathetic and, and be a woman. Even Diana Troy was or Diana Troy was was a woman. That's fantastic. But you know, get a guy like guy like me or a guy like you that's like, hey, so tell me how you're feeling today, and I'm just gonna sit and listen. And I had a whole lot of things I wanted to talk to you about, but I'm just gonna sit and listen to you today. They're all like, are you a mutant? You know, are you from uh, <laughs> are you from um, are you from Planet X? You know, are you from a mirror universe somewhere? Yeah, that is, and like you were saying, it is like the world does seem to be changing a little bit to where it's a little bit more understanding for guys to be empathetic. But yeah, that's the way it it has been for a long time. Is that you know you got to be stoic, and it's like, well, what the fuck kind of world does that make when you're teaching you know little boys to basically stuff your feelings down? That <laughs> isn't that like the one of the number one reasons that most men will die of heart disease because they just bottle up their fucking feelings well, pretty much although I, even as an empathetic guy i have a tendency to man i i even uh, last night even last night last night i lost my fucking shit i did um so well we have uh we have three dogs which is too too many right <laughs> uh, i love dogs three little yapping dogs i inherited from my beautiful wife um, I have a fence backyard, and in the backyard, it's also on a canal, right? So there's wildlife in my yard all the time. Excuse me. And um, so I, I let the dogs out in the middle of the day uh, to run around and play in the yard because, generally speaking, I find that dogs that run around and play in the yard are well more behaved in the house, right? Because, I yeah. mean, you don't you don't leave a dog locked up all day. And if you do, you better walk them. But I got a yard, so I don't need to. Uh, I need to walk these dogs. So I let the two pooches out. Cuddles and Princess go out. Now Lynn is very protective of her pooches, and so uh, she's all like, "Watch the dogs! Watch the dogs!" Yeah, I will admit in front of the world and everybody that I like this. Like I will just <laughs> let them out and let them run, and knowing that they could get into a, a world of trouble out there in my yard. Um, but I don't care if they're dogs, right? So. Um, She's like, Cuddles keeps going down to the dock. I think he's eating something down there. I go, there's nothing down on the dock, okay? There's no, I, whatever, right? No big deal. So anyway, in the middle of the day, late at afternoon yesterday, he started getting the runs. I'm like, this is not a good thing, right? So I get yelled at, like, you should have watched the dog. Yes, dear. Yes, you should have watched. You're right. should have watched the dog. Yep. Mm, sure. Okay, cool. Um, so we stopped feeding them, gave them some medicine and whatnot. And, and Lynn's very frugal, so she doesn't like to send the dogs to the vet. She doesn't have to. And I'm like, if those dogs are sick, go get them fixed. Because a sick dog is, oh, my gosh. Do you have a dog, Joe? Yep. Got a little Shih Tzu. Oh, so, yeah. you, you want A little Shih Tzu. Can you imagine how much crap can come out of your dog when they're sick? Yeah, luckily she hasn't had the squirt in a really long time. Okay. That is like one of the worst fucking things to happen inside your house. Everything. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, I got to talk to Joe tomorrow night. I'm going to go to bed. And uh, so, you know, we we pooped cuddles about eight times. Like, I think he's done. She gave him some pills. Everything's fine, right? Uh, and I'm, I'm being a good husband. But at like 1230 at night. Because I'm old, right? I don't know if this has happened to you yet. Are Are you getting up in the middle of the night? Yet, has that started to happen with you? 
Get up in the middle of night to piss? To pee. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's the weirdest <laughs> fucking thing. Like, I used to be able to sleep through the night. Not a chance, right? And, and usually, about once a night, I'm up, I got to pee. And you're half asleep, right? So, my God, I get up. I walk into the bathroom, and I step in a big pile of squirt. I mean. Oh, that's awful. Oh, yeah. And I lost my fucking shit. I just lost my shit. And I just was like, scream. I screamed at the dog. I grabbed the, it was, thank God he did it on like one of those, we have long, one of those long floor carpet mat things. You know, one of the uh, pushy, puffy cloud memory foam ones, right? So and it was black. Uh-huh. Thank God it was black, right? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it's 1230 at night. And now I got to wash this thing. Um, and then I came back in the room and he had squirted on the other one in the room and, uh, and I, I ran out to the garage, but I just totally lost my shit. I was slam, right? Everything. Okay. I'm like, I got, it's always gotta be me. I'm the one that takes care of everything, which is not true. But at 1230 <laughs> at night when I have shit on my feet, that's yeah. how I feel. Right. So at any rate, and you uh, were just asleep. I was totally asleep. Yep. <laughs> and now you're dealing with really gross shit. <laughs> it was awful. Like, literally. And, it, and then, you know how dog, okay, Shih Tzu diarrhea, it stinks. I mean, it's the worst, and it just lingers and lingers. So I didn't sleep at all last night. Um, but normally I'm a really decent guy until I'm ranting or whatever, but mostly a bit anyway, but I just totally lost it. And one of the things, some of the things I said to my wife last night, um, you know, I love you. I'm going to publicly apologize. But one of the things I said is, we got to take care of those dogs to the vet. If we're out of pills to take care of his diarrhea, we got to go to taking care of in the morning. I don't, you know, and she's in between jobs right now. So she's got plenty of time to take care of this, right? I go to the gym. I come back. I got a call at nine o'clock. I work out of my office out of the old man cave. And my wife's not there. I get a text. I love you. I'm like, Oh no. What did I say? Right. <laughs> so later on tonight, she goes, I took the dog to the vet and I got extra pills just like you asked me to. And I'm like, oh, OK, well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. You you're, you were yelling at me. I figured if you if you didn't, uh, you know, if I didn't go out by the time I got home, you would have been super mad at me. And I'm like, no, I wouldn't have. And I, then I feel like shit. Right. And I'm like, oh, I'm an asshole. Um, and, and God bless my wife. She's really awesome because she listens to me. Um, and, and I, and I mean that in a, in a sincere way because I, um, I can tell that she's listening to me and, and it's not that, oh my goodness, that sounded terrible. Right. But, <laughs> I, um, I know what you're saying though, dude. No, no, no. I mean, it's not like I tell her what to do and she does it. I, I truly honestly believe that when I talk to her about things that bother me, or things that I'm struggling with that I know that she's listening to me. Or when I tell her these are things uh, about you that I love, um, I'll she'll do them more. And then I know that she's listening to me. And I wish that I could say um, that about everybody else I've been with. Um, but, uh, you know, Lynn's number, well, I'll just, so uh, Lynn's my third wife. Um, so I made, <laughs> I, I made the first mistake when I was really young and then I thought I had figured it out and made the exact same mistake and then took a break for a while, kind of, and then I'm on with Lynn. And what I've told people is that if it doesn't work with Lynn, that I'm done. Like I'm totally done. Like I will, uh, I'm going to become a monk and move to the mountains and make beer. 
is what I'm going to do. And I just kind of uh, go off and win women. But anyway, um, Lynn's been pretty incredible as far as I know that she listened to me. And again, last, tonight, she was, you were yelling at me. And I'm like, no, I didn't mean to yell at you. I was I, I was covered in yucky stuff at 1230 in the morning. <laughs> yeah. So public apologies to my beautiful wife. Um, I don't know. How do we get on dog shit? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, men... Um, <laughs> Thanks. I think that even empathetic folks uh, like myself who are very pretty good about um, talking about how they feel uh, um, occasionally will blow up. My dad, oh my, my dad had, the, had it the worst. Like he was the nicest, kind, kindest guy you ever did meet. But when he got mad, I mean, it was like run for cover, right? <laughs> like the mob abuse him, blown and, and, and run for cover. Um but the other thing that I would say about that, though, I, and I think it, I don't know how your relationship is with your beautiful wife, but um, I think that having the ability to safely have arguments and occasionally those arguments get to be heated is a wonderful and beautiful thing. Because I will tell you that in my previous lives, I, I never really felt safe, right? So yeah. if you don't feel safe about things it can really get icky yucky fast um but i know with lynn it's like she's the very first person i've ever been with where um i know that at the end of an argument that we're going to be okay and and trust me lynn's from um new jersey so rebecca will get this i mean if you're up from the east coast women on the east coast they they can they can hold on Right. And so we know that from Rebecca, for sure, they she can hold her own. <laughs> My wife can hold her own. If, if I'm in the wrong or if she really gets um, gets in, in, emotional or in, 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 empathic about what something she, she'll dig her heels in and, and we'll go for a little bit. Um, but like I said, it's the very first relationship that I've ever felt like <clears throat> at the very end of those things that after every argument we've had. I'd love to say we've never had any arguments, but after every argument we've had, I've always felt like I've gotten closer to her. And I've always noticed that after that, um, both of us have the opportunity to go ahead and grow and, and show the other person that we love them and we listen to them. There, that's what I meant by Lynn listens to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd say my wife and I, like that's generally the way our arguments go as well. Um, I, I've seen friends and their significant others get in fights before, and it's just brutal to watch. Where it's like, how can you guys speak to each other on civil terms after you were just saying the fucked up shit that you send to each other in front of other people? And yeah, that's like, pretty. That's pretty fucked up. And of all the weird places to hear this, I read an interview with Kevin Bacon years ago, and he was talking about uh, his marriage, and they were asking him what his number one tip is for having a real healthy marriage. He said, "Keep the fighting clean and the sex dirty." <laughs> and it's like that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You know, because you don't have to stick a knife in and fucking twist it, right? Especially if it's with somebody that you love. You know, I mean, it in when you can get so passionate about something and if you're angry in the moment, it can be easy to fly off the handle and say shit that you don't mean. But listen to Kevin Bacon. <laughs> Keep the fights clean and, you know, I mean, any relationship's going to be good healthy sex life, so 
Yeah, but you know, I, I and I and I love where you're coming from. It, me and my journey and all of the and we can get into old man shooty's dating disasters or marriage disasters or whatnot. Um, we could so totally get into that. I'd love to get into that. I, I sometimes when you're a giving caring person, standing up for yourself is really hard. Especially with somebody that you love. Because you don't you like I never saw well a if mom and dad had a fight, I don't remember it. So if they went to have a fight, and I know that they had some because I've heard stories after the fact, or I can ba- vaguely remember some. But they never fought in front of kids, ever, right? So I kind of grew up in an environment like, oh, mom and dad don't fight. And like the, my dad very lovingly would give in to my mom a, a lot. And so, you know, we are children and products of of, you know, what we observe. And so, um, there's some good things that I grew up in, some not so healthy things. Right. So, um, I can remember many a time, uh, in previous, uh, lives where, uh, somebody would get upset and the, um, anger would start flying. Right. And I would just turn into super doormat. Right, you just become doormat shooty, and uh, I gotta tell you uh, that my experience has been one that that is equally as dangerous, if not more dangerous, than um, than just sticking the knife into somebody else. Right, so with the, that, I mean, I want to put it, um, you know, verbal abuse is a real thing, and verbal abuse is a dangerous thing, and it should not be allowed in any healthy relationship. Period. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, my ex-wife, um, not Austin's mom, but my my second wife, she was not happy. So um, a, a really good example is like she was 45 minutes late to the wedding. Um, we got married up in um, by Split Rock Lighthouse in Minnesota. So it was outdoors. We kind of snuck outdoors to be out by a lighthouse, right? And I remember um, a friend of mine, Bob, who's a pastor of my church, who's there. And I went up to him. She was late. I went, you know, they say it's a, they say it's a, um, you know, a good thing when, you know, uh, good luck when people are this late, or, you know, this late for a wedding. He looked at me because not this late, dude. And so, you know, from from the <laughs> from day one, I knew something was up. Um, but it became very clear after a while that she wasn't happy. And, and um, I remember. Um, it, it, she made it her her uh, goal in life to to make me miserable because um, sometimes I think that people you get short term results by by being mean I think but the, they have long term disastrous effects. So I was heavier at the time, weighed two hundred fifty pounds at the time, and I remember um, my wife. She was a nurse, and she would come home, and I would be playing video games, and she'd go, "No, oh, I hope you die." Before me, because I don't want to take care of your fat ass when you get old. Jesus, that's a true story. So I, um, I will tell you that that made me not want to go to the gym. That made me um, very much want to eat more pizza and play video games, right? Uh, and that yeah. was like a daily thing. Um, and then, of course, uh, I'll admit this and get way too deep. Um, uh, uh, the arguments would start and I would start to stand up for myself 
and this blew my mind, man. And, you know, if you're a guy and this happens to you, um, it's really weird. But I remember distinctly we were downstairs, we're having an argument. And I'm one of those people that I don't compartmentalize my life very well. I'm not a Bill Clinton. Like I can't, I can't run the United States and, uh, and get a blow job in the, in the, in the white house and, and be okay with all of it. Right. I just, I, if there's something wrong, let's deal with it now and get it, get it put away and, and we'll all be done. Right. So mm-hmm. maybe that's a bad analogy, but this is what I'm going to use anyway. So we're downstairs <laughs> and I'm like, okay, uh, talk to me. What's going on? I want to talk about it now. And she said, get away from me. And I said, no, I want to talk about it now. And before I finished my sentence, um, I got clocked in the jaw. I mean, pow. And I remember one, it hurt a lot. And then I wanted to hit back and I didn't. And I just sat there and I looked at her and she screamed at me some more and walked away. And we never talked about it again. But I remember feeling about, oh my gosh, about two inches tall for a long, long, long time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so listen, you know, domestic violence is, is a very real thing. So I got to experience a couple years of that, um, by, by all means, the, uh, verbal abuse is, you know, scars from verbal abuse. Eventually my jaw started to feel better. Right. Um, how I felt about myself never really got any better. Uh, you know, you know, verbal abuse, especially coming from somebody that you should be able to trust that they're not going to hurt you like that. I mean, those, those ones will cut the deepest and they will stick with you for a long time. Oh my gosh. So it was so funny. Cause it was like, okay, uh, finally I'm like, we were together nine years. I didn't want to be a two time loser. So I was like, how do I fix this? And if the other person isn't invested in fixing anything, you're done. Right. So I remember I said, well, I'm miserable. You're miserable. What are we doing together? And her response was, um, and she was a Christian. I'm a Christian. I don't mind talking about my faith. And she said, well, you know, I believe that this is true. I can't lose. I'm, I'm sharing this. Uh, she said, you know what? I'm a, I'm God's punishment for you. I'm, I'm here to make sure that you suffer. Oh my God. And she walked out of the room and I was like, you're a crazy bitch. And we didn't, we didn't way make, crazy. We did not make love for four years. I was on a loveless marriage for the last four years of, of, uh, of my, uh, existence with her. And, uh, finally, um, Two things happened. I, I discovered um, um, I went to a wellness clinic and started losing some weight because, you know, I don't know if you ever got this big. I, at one point in time, I pushed 300 pounds. Right. Um, and you live in denial at 300 pounds. Like, you know, you're wearing three X shirts and you look in the mirror and you suck in your gut. And that looks pretty good. And, uh, I went to the doctor, I got on a scale and it pushed over 300 and I was like, oh, wow. Right. Two, you know, yeah. 280 was my max and I'm at three. I'm just sucking down pain. Right? And my doctor's like, do you want to be this heavy for the rest of your life? I'm like, no. So I went to wellness clinic and learned how to eat a little bit better. Uh, started working out, um, took up Zumba. Um, Zumba. You, have we talked about Zumba? Do you know what Zumba is? Yeah. Yeah. It's the, the dance aerobics. Right. Latin dance aerobics. Which for a guy like me is awesome because I was that kid in high school who went to the high school dance 
and actually danced, right? Most <laughs> Good of the for you. Guys, most of the guys would just sit. And here, the, the, the deal is, you know, girls dance and guys watch girls dance. I mean, seriously, that's how it was in the 80s for me. Um, and I would just be I would just be covered in sweat, right? You'd show up looking all dapper, and then I'd dance into Prince and, you know, the Violent Femmes and all those great bands then. And, and then it'd come to slow dance, and I am just one big sweaty mess, and all the girls ran the opposite direction, and I felt like shit. Right. Uh, (laughs) But I had a good time feeling that way. Well, now I'm in a class. And by the way, um, almost where I go, I'm token boy in the class. Right. So immediately he's like, ooh, ooh, a boy. ooh, And um, because I like to dance when I was younger, I actually have rhythm and um, whatnot. So I'm pretty good at it. And um, immediately I got a lot of attention from folks and that made me feel good. So I'm the old fat guy that my, my wife wants me to die. Uh, now I'm getting some attention. So that was really good. So I started feeling better about myself and somehow found some confidence in myself. And, um, yeah. And then, uh, there was a, there was a fateful day where, um, uh, my ex came up to me and, and, and we were dealing with some things and she took her diamond ring and shoved it into my cheekbone and twisted it and left the mark. And, and, uh, um, I got out, which is, Good, good for you, man. Yeah, you know, um, got out, and uh, and that was good. It was that that was interesting and very very hard. Um, it it made it easy. I'm gonna be honest. It made it easier that I had a large group of people who thought I was cool, and I had, you know, uh, shortly thereafter somebody who thought I was really cool that wanted to get to know me better. So I I rebounded into that. Um, that was. That ended up being a nice thing for a little while, but um, not so nice. I, I affectionately call her Psycho Susie. Um, <laughs> that's a long, long story, too. But, yeah, no, uh, yeah, last time I saw my ex, and this is fucked up. So this is really fucked up. So Austin remained friends with my ex-wife. And, you know, uh, he's in a football uh, league with her and everything. And oh, by the way, I'm going to say I'm sorry to my son right now because a lot of this stuff um, I never talked to him about. Because it's not Austin's fault that, you know, I can't be with this person anymore. Um, and and it's weird because all of a sudden, you know, Austin and I leave her life and then oh, well, I want to hold on to Austin. Okay, great. Um, that's fine. Uh, and it kind of awkward, but it's fine. So she's still friends with her. So. Um, Austin's mom, in her infinite wisdom, when Austin graduated from high school, decided to fly my ex and her daughter down to Naples to um, to the graduation ceremony. Boy, was that fun. I'm just telling you that right now. Wow. But um, she was cordial about it. But I got to tell you, um, when I knew that she was in the building, there was still a part of me that was super fucking scared. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, I bet. Oh, it's super fucking scared. Although I will say one thing about my ex, um, a few months after it was all over, um, one of the things I think is really important is when you, uh, when major life stuff, right? So you get major life stuff. Um, it's really important to look in the mirror. So I'm going to look in the mirror and I'm going to figure out what, what did I do? Right. And there's plenty of, uh, opportunities. I'm not a saint 
in that relationship, right? So I I made plenty of mistakes. So I'm going to own up to my mistakes. So in a moment of humility, like months later, and I had moved to Florida, so I was safe, right? <laughs> She's not going to go hunt me down anymore. Uh, I, I emailed her and I just said, hey, I just want to let you know that I'm sorry for my part in the demise of our relationship. Because it does take two people, right? Like it, it's mm-hmm. easy for me to talk about, it's easy for me to talk about um, what I think are incredibly dangerous things that happen there. Um, but, you know, it led to things like, you know, me not being 100% honest about certain things. But when you're scared to death, you're not going to be honest, right? Those kind of things. But it's still not the right thing to do. Anyway, I'm, I'll shut up about that and I'll let you retort. <laughs> well, yeah, man. I mean, I'm that same way. I'm a very self-introspective person and a lot of times it can be hard to be most honest with yourself but i really do look at a lot of past events in my life and analyze it and kind of like what you were saying you know you got you had time to think about it and say you know what what did i do that was wrong in there i do a lot of that same stuff so i can totally relate to what you're saying oh man you have to you have to i i will tell you cuz i know well, if she listens to the show um tough but I, I, I know that there are people that um, don't. Like, to this day, Austin's mom did nothing wrong in the demise of our marriage. Not, not one thing. Um, and I don't want to get into that just yet because I don't want to – I mean, people are turning off the radio right now. I'm like, oh, my God. You know, I'm going to go ahead and slip my wrist, listen to old man Shooty. I swear to God, I got funny stuff to talk about too. Um, but to this <laughs> day, I, I feel sad to that extent because it's like – you know what? Um, if you took some time to actually think about and really do some self-reflection, you might grow. Isn't and then isn't that what life's really about anyway? Yeah, that's what I was just gonna say. I mean, if we're not growing, what the fuck, man? Oh, and there's so many people that don't, and they all live here in fucking Florida. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> Yeah, I think there's a lot of people who deny the fact that we continuously evolve as people. Right? And, I mean, fuck, you gotta imagine that even if you're a shut-in that never leaves, you're still gonna evolve in some sort of way. Well, well I mean, that's course. that's just, I mean, it, you can't be a thinking, reasoning human being and, and not in some sort of way, but, I mean, I'm sure there are people out there who don't, and maybe those are the ones that we should feel the most sad for. Oh, jeez, I feel so sad for those people. I do. But, you know, in some regards, if I look back at the, at the journey that, that has been my life, I, I've been that sometimes. Right? So sometimes I think we get sad, we get lonely, and we make mistakes. And I think it's important to, to learn from mistakes. But sometimes when you're sad and you're lonely, it's really easy to make those mistakes. And sometimes I've watched, I've watched friends make those same mistakes. Like I, I've watched people make the same kind of mistake I did, which dude, I, I don't care how sad and fucking lonely you are. You, you need to run, right? <laughs> my, my radar has gone off and you should like run a million miles in the opposite direction. Um, and, and they don't listen. And I've been that person, you know, before I finally left my ex, it was, man, I, I Every day, I had an hour commute every day to work, and uh, I would talk to my best friend and other people, and they were all saying the same thing: like, "You need to just go." Well, I don't want to give up. No, no, no. You need to get the fuck out, <laughs> right? And uh, 
but you have to admit to yourself when you're done, right? And I wasn't done until she did what she did, and then I then I was done. But uh, yeah, the yeah. lies that we tell ourselves can be the hardest ones to you know walk away from. <sighs> Because it's wrapped up in who you are. And in a way, it, when you lie to yourself, you're doing it because you don't want to face the reality of your situation. And I mean, fuck, I could probably come up with three or four things off the top of my head that I continuously lie to myself about. I mean, these cheeseburgers I mean, are not going to make me fat. They're mostly yeah. protein. Right. I mean, I mean, that's that's always been my biggest one right there is my my struggle constant struggle with food and that it's it's just too much wrapped up in if i'm having a bad day or whatever it's you know i i think it's something that i just lean on way too much and it it isn't like you know like i started saying if i'm having a bad day it isn't like where if i'm having a bad day i'm gonna be like okay now i'm gonna eat a snickers bar and that's gonna make everything better but i think on a subconscious level it kind of does reach for that yeah, and, it kind of does make it better for a little bit. I'll, I'll, I'm going to raise my hand right there because I really could use a Snicker bar, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. And and some of it, too, is like, I think one of the other lies that I would tell myself is, you know, oh, it's it's genetics. I have a slower metabolism. You know, yep. I can look at some of my rock climber friends that, you know, they were born with a fucking six pack and they can eat whatever they want. And it's like, I can you know, do all these hard fucking workouts that they don't have to do. And like, no matter what, I will still have a gut. That's and not true. Joe, that is, it, so it's not totally true. not it's true. It's not true. It's, it's so not, not true, true at all. We and got that's together a, that's last one time of the you lies. got together, last, the final episode of my story, right? The, the epic Joe Stark adventure. Um, <laughs> you know, we talked about that and I still struggle with the same thing, right? I know mm-hmm. underneath this layer of fat is some really sexy abs I, I used to have them a long time ago. I had a beautiful body, and uh, that's when I was like sixteen. But you've got it there. I everybody's different, though. And for me, I I can't eat the same way I used to eat. And I've spent the year now eating a certain way, and I I just can't I can't go back there. I can't. And I tell you, I love French fries. You know what's even better than French fries, Joe? What's that? Tater tots. Right? Oh. <laughs> tater tots are pretty fucking good. Fucking, you know, this, uh, the cigar bar that we go to I, that I uh, affectionately call the Hall of Awesome. Next door is this place called Ralph's Place. And they've got great food. And um, uh, I, they had a, an appetizer. Uh, are you ready for this? I go, Can I, what's on the, um, what, what's the, the pork tot appetizer? Oh, it's a big bowl of tater tots, uh-huh, smothered in cheese and bacon, uh-huh, and uh, and pulled pork. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> All of a salad. That's exactly what I told her. <laughs> Wasn't that, isn't that glorious? I, but I wanted that. I wanted that. I just, I so, oh, my gosh. But I can't, I can't eat that way. I, I just, I know I can't eat that way. Um, and I'm one of those guys, I think we talked about, I cheated, right? So I lost, man, I lost 70 pounds. I think I gained about 10 back. I haven't been on the scale in a while. All my clothes still fit. So I'm happy about that. Um, I could still feel my pooch. I hate my pooch. Um, still working on that. But, um, I don't know where was I going with this. Oh yeah. I, you know, I basically paid somebody to help me lose weight. 
because I knew if I made that financial investment that I would follow through with everything that they were telling me to do. And if it was successful, great, I'd still pay them money. And if it wasn't, I would go try something else. That's how I motivated myself. And it takes a lot of internal discipline. I mean, you could do it, Joe, without spending the money. But I'm like, I need help. I need drugs. Um, I went to MediWeight Loss. They put me on Phentermine. They put me on this wicked restrictive diet. I was a complete asshole. Oh my gosh, man, you know how it is. I mean, you're doing nothing but but keto for a couple of weeks. Oh, yeah, that keto fucked me up. Oh, you just you just become Neanderthal, Joe, right? Ugh. And so I was that way. Oh, and I could totally tell. It, 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 I again, my beautiful wife and I are in the bedroom, and she's mad at me for something. I can't even remember what it was, but I, you could feel it, right? You could feel it, and I was like, Lynn, uh huh. Um, I love you, and. I, I, I'm really sorry for whatever it is you're mad at me about. And I really just need you to drop it right now. You know, complain, 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 honey. I really, really, I'm warning you right now that I'm kind of on edge because I'm not eating carbohydrates and French fries like I used to. And if this continues, I may say some things that I don't mean. And I just want you, I asked God, I swear to this, I said this, I don't want you to be in the room when, when you do this, please just kind of, I'm sorry, please, whatever it is, just go away. And she said one more thing, and then Mount Vesuvius shooty erupted. And like, um, anyway, back to back to all of that. I, I think that you know whatever it is that motivates you to to change your habits, that's great. But it takes holy crap. I mean, Joe, you understand this. It takes it takes thirty days at, at minimum. And for me, it's been a year. Yeah. Right. So it's been a year long journey, and I. You know, and I think I was, I've confided in you and the people that I'm closest to. I'm, I'm, I'm scared to death. I am scared to death of, of rebounding into what I was. I'm scared to death. And I know that you're like, oh, that's all in your head. Cause when I look in the mirror, I see fat shooty and fat shooty. I'm, I'm, I'm hardly fat. I'm, I'm 190 pounds. I'm, I'm, I'm not fat. Right. No, but it's easy to rebound, dude. I'm mid-rebound oh, yeah. right now, and it's fucking awful. Glorious at the same time, isn't it? <laughs> what was that? Oh, pause. They said it was glorious at the same time. Oh, well, well, with me, it was like I had some injuries, and right. then because of those injuries, that broke my habit of obsessively climbing all the time because that's where I was burning a lot of calories, you know, it's it's strenuous to rock climb, but then on top of it, just to get out to these places where the rock is, you're wearing a 50-pound pack, and you're hiking up and down hills for 30 minutes just to get to the crag, and then you're going to do it all in reverse at the end of the day. You're burning a lot of calories. Sure. And I've been doing that almost every weekend to doing it. I mean, shit, dude. The last time I climbed outside was, like, I don't even fucking remember. <laughs> It was like maybe last year, sometime maybe earlier this spring. You're it's, lying. You you you're you're lying to me. I don't believe you. I know that you're out every day. I know it. You're out. Oh, dude, Mount I wish Stark, that were the case. Mount Stark. Oh, by the way, we do have some submissions that are glorious. Yes. Oh my I can't god! Wait to hear them, dude. Oh my god, they're glorious. Uh, uh, for those that, yeah, that's the other thing I thought about. We'll get back to this discussion. I'm like, you know what? There are people who have no. You've got to have people who who aren't members of the because you're on iTunes, right? Yeah, yeah. There are people who have no fucking idea what we're talking about right now. Yeah, that's okay. They'll pick it up. I, so. We uh, <laughs> Joe's got his own 
uh, route, a.k.a. Craig, that is his own personal Craig. And we got together and talked about it. And so uh, on a show that I that I know no one listens to, um, <laughs> we were having a contest to name it. And we were going to name it after one of our friends, Joseph Vitale, who's been on this show. I love Joe. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> uh, but we also got some more submissions to name your Craig. And they're Eric Mirable sent in like a hundred of them, and they're all amazing. They're all just amazing. Uh, I, I can't, can't wait, wait to hear them. Oh my god, they're great. I, I oh, yeah. a sneak peek, but it wouldn't be fair to you. No, no, no. I want to hear them on tales from. Oh you. my god, it's so <laughs> you do great. them on your show, and I will hear. Oh them. my god, this is so fucking great. At any rate, um, no, I. I uh, I, I know you're climbing a lot, and, and even if you're not, I totally get it. Like, okay, um, I, 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 I ran my second 5K, so I used to hate running, like hate it, because I couldn't breathe. I mean, when you're a bigger person and you have to run, running is just something I have to do to get away from the cops, or you know what I'm saying, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, I just I gotta run, and I hated it because um, I have. I, well, I had asthma. I haven't had an asthma attack, dude. I have not had an asthma attack in years. Um, part of, partly is because I'm definitely allergic to cats. And my ex had two of them. And instead of getting this is what we should have done, uh, I was on medicine. So I took, I took medicine every day so I could breathe, right? And if I forgot to take my medicine or if I had an asthma attack, um, it was my fault. So when I finally left and I moved to Florida within a matter of months, I could breathe again, and now that I've lost some weight, I, I haven't had an asthma attack in, God, I don't know when. Although I'm still definitely allergic to cats. Uh, by the way, you should never have to make a choice between uh, an animal and your spouse. Really not a choice. That's like when I started dating again after, um, when I got serious about it, I was like, that was the number one thing. If you love cats, yeah, can't be with me, right? Yeah, I'm super I, allergic to them too, dude. I know what you mean. Dude, you walk into a house, it's like, <gasps> And you, oh, you yeah. know, I gotta go. I gotta go. So, um, at any rate, um, breathing is a, a an important thing. <laughs> so, at any rate, <laughs> I, I've discovered running late in life, which is great because I never ran when I was younger. A lot of people my age can't run anymore because their knees are all fucked up. Well, ha ha ha, I can. So, what happened is we ran a um a five k a couple Saturdays ago, cops and joggers, um, and I learned a lot in that race. One, I learned that racing, it was at night. So it started at 8 o'clock at night. And I'm a morning person. I turned into my dad. Like, every morning I'm up at 6, even on the weekends, for no fucking reason, right? I'm just, I'm up. And then 9 o'clock comes, I hit that wall. So it was 8 o'clock, I'm running. Running at night is not productive for me. And you spend all day worrying about it. Like, I got to run at 8, I got to run at 8, this sucks. Uh, But, and it was also... uh, I don't want to put it. We ran the Edison Bridge, um, which is about a 35-degree pitch both ways. Like you ran up the bridge, down, and turned around and ran back. The cool thing was the whole race um, way was lined with uh, police cars with their gumball lights going, fire trucks with the gumball lights going, and they had a couple chase copters over the race course with their uh, spotlights which is really fucking cool. So you're running up this bridge, right? And you got a spotlight on you. And I'm like, I'm escaping from prison. 
This is awesome. <laughs> no, it really that felt sounds that way. awesome. It was dude. so cool. It was wicked cool. And I, my friend James and I, James Page, oh, he's such a great guy. Um, and uh, he and I ran, and we were we were hitting it about. Oh my gosh, my pace starting off was like eight. I got a Fitbit, so I'm an eight minute mile starting off, and I was feeling good. I'm Damn. Like, yeah, I'm 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 gonna smoke this course. And then he and I hit that bridge at a 35 degree pitch, and that was it. It, we, we were done. And after, so circling back, all the way back, I felt okay. It, I, you know, I matched my time. I got 30 minutes. Not bad for an old guy, 8 o'clock at night, running uphill both ways, right? So No kidding. That's not bad. Um, but at any rate, the next day, oh my gosh, my hip was screaming at me, and I got plantar fasciitis flaring up. Um, did you ever get that? Yeah, I've been dealing with it recently in my right foot. It's fucking terrible. It's ter- do you, do you, uh, what are you doing to take care of it, by the way? I nothing really. I I know for me that's a symptom of me just needing to lose weight. Um, you're wrong. So I love you, but you're wrong. So what you should do <laughs> is all that is is it is a symptom of you could say that yeah that's not a problem for me. I think is I pushed myself and I didn't. I need new pair of shoes. And so that helped it. But the tendon at the bottom of your foot tightens up, right? And you mm-hmm. got to loosen it up. So go get it. You have a tendon, right? Yep. Okay. I'll, it'll be gone within a week. If it's not gone within, within a week, I will – I don't know what I'll do. I'll have you on the yard again. I know that's, that's torture. <laughs> but you take the tennis ball and then you just kind of take your right foot because that's the exact same spot where I'm at. And plantar fasciitis sucks. It's like you know, walking on nails in the beginning of the morning. It's like, ah. At any rate, oh, yeah. you rub, you take that tennis ball and you go back and forth on the bottom of your foot for about, mm, I don't know, 10 minutes, twice a day for a week. And then take some magnesium and you're going to be right as rain in a week or two. Guaranteed. Mine just nice. I will try that because I've never tried that. No, one. for sure. Because you know, honestly, that's what's going on is that 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 muscle and that tendon's all tightened up. Anyway, circling back, I, I swear to God, people go back to why I started these conversations. So at any rate, <laughs> we get hurt and we get injured. But so what I did instead of running, which to me really helps me lose weight. I sweat like a pig. I feel great. I get high. It's awesome. And I only do it like three times a week, so I'm going to miss it. So I took a week and a half off of running. Um, did a lot of elliptical machines, started swimming. So I mean, there's always an opportunity for you to be active, um, even if you're not doing the thing that you love the most. And sometimes the things that are the best for us are the things that we hate the most, like burpees. Did you do the burpee challenge with us? No, my knee was all fucked up then. <laughs> and so I tried do I tried the first day and my knee was so fucking bad, like on the jumps that I was just like, Oh, this is I'm fucked right now. Right? Okay. But you know, part of what was beating me up for so long is that I've had a job for oh, over a decade where I'm just on the go on cement all day long, carrying around boxes that weigh up to like fucking seventy pounds. Right. And so I'm transi- I'm in the process of transitioning out of that and into a desk job in the office. Mm-hmm. And so on my days where I'm at the desk all day, dude, I feel great when I get off work. And so as soon as right. that kicks into where I'm actually doing that full time, then I'll be able to feel good enough where I get off work to where I'm not limping around and I'm going to be able to do some more activity. And then 
it for for me it's it's I need to have a bunch of ducks in a row for it to work. If I'm working out and and doing good with my exercise plan, then that makes me want to eat better. And then that makes me want to, you know, you, you, you know, do you know what I mean? Like how yep. it just all lines up. Yep. And and so right off the bat, if if I get off work and I can't freaking move, then it's like, all right, fuck this. I I can't exercise and if I'm not exercising, I'm not releasing those endorphins in my body and so then i'm going to have like a little edge of depression to me and that's going to cause me to eat a point and then that's just going to cause the depression to get worse and so right now i'm just kind of stuck in a vicious cycle that i've been slowly working my way out of but so let me me make a suggestion do you have time before work uh not really Uh, my wife works early mornings and so i have to get the kids ready for school boots and hats and hats and boots and boots and hats and hats and boots right okay i got that (laughs) right that's right and so yeah my mornings are super hectic oh man i i mean unless i get up at like four and then try and just work out very quietly without waking them up you could no if you could find time in the morning because i'm a morning workout guy Occasionally, I'll do a twofer. The other day, I did a twofer. I did a morning and I did an evening class. Um, I did a Zumba class with some new friends of ours, and that and that was fun. But for me, I have to have now. You know who Stephen Covey is, right? Do you know who Stephen so. Covey is? Stephen wrote a book in the eighties, um, late eighties, early nineties called uh, "The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People." You ever heard of that book? Okay. Yeah, I think you told me about this. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm repeating myself, which is what old people do. So that's good. So. Uh, <laughs> What what uh, what he says is that you have public victories and you have private private victories. Uh, I helped manage a group with Rebecca called Private Victories on Facebook. You remember that? And and I got yep. the name of that for Private Victory. And and what Covey tells us is that you cannot fully enjoy a public victory or a moment in the sun that you've earned until you've had a private victory, one that is specific to you. One that you can celebrate in your own way. And so for me, my private victory every morning is to go out and do something for myself. So I either go for a run or elliptical or do some fucking burpees and kill myself, right? Um, And honestly, it's to the point where when I take a day off and rest, I feel like I didn't do that. From I have it so ingrained in my head. I've been doing it for years that I, I, I just feel weird about it. So... That's my approach. That's, but it may not be your approach. Um, and I totally get where you're coming from. Come, you know, walking on concrete. I used to do event production. Oh, or you go to C2, B2, or any cons. Oh, those poor bathrooms. Those cons are on the concrete floor all day. Just have you tried uh, compression? Uh, our Skype connection's fucking up a little bit. What'd you say? Um, have you tried compression sleeves for your knee? No, no, not yet. Um, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, I do have compression sleeves. Yes, yes, I do have one. Um, I don't have, because okay. you would try, what was it, like the copper one or something Tommy like that? Copper, buddy. Get the Tommy yes. Copper. You get the ones, yeah. that, the fake ones work just as good. They got Brett Favre on them. He's old and has fucked up knees. It's okay, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I would totally try that. It's, dude. It's ten bucks, right? That's uh, oh, that's two cups affordable. of Starbucks. Yeah, it's, it's, it's two cups of Starbucks. You can give up for a month and try it. Um, 
And if it, I swear, I swear, my knees get all messed up. I will wear those during the day or uh, you wear them to, to bed and it just increases blood flow down there and then promotes healing and you're good to go. And doesn't that suck? Like I was with Austin the other day and he said, yeah, I hurt my shoulder a couple of days. It's feeling better now. I'm like, oh, if I hurt my shoulder lifting weights, it would be like six months, right? Mm-hmm. We just don't, I don't heal. I'm like old man. Logan. I'm just not fucking healing at all. And when you're 20 something and you're just killing it and you, you, you know, fall down, um, eight flights of steps and break your hip. And the next day you're running a marathon. I'm like, fuck you guys. I can't, I hate getting old. It sucks. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel you there, man. I've been getting so many freaking injuries with shit where it's like, I just need to stop because like one of my things that I was always good at is that I can do a really masochistic workout. But now I'm getting to the point where it's like, I need to stop doing those and just start doing smart workouts because if I, you know, go with the, Oh, no pain, no gain and push through it. And it's like, no, now you're going to fuck yourself up and then you're not going to be able to work out and then you're going to be depressed and then you're going to want to eat. Bad, oh. and it's awful. You know, yeah, you're right. I, I guess I don't go down the rabbit hole, but I'm old enough to listen to my body. Right. So, and this is fucked up. So I, I started lifts and I was doing really, really well. And then one day, um, for no reason, I pulled one of my stomach muscles. Like I, I tore an interior stomach muscle and weights have no fucking clue how that happened, what I was doing when it happened. All I know is I went to bed and I went, ow. And the very first thing that goes through your mind is hernia. So I'm pushing on my stomach and it's hurting like a motherfucker, but it's not hernianizing. And then I, I pulled a brine and went to WebMD and I had 18 different forms of, you know, cancer, which isn't true. Um, and so I'm like, you know, I'm just, I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm just gonna take it easy. The next day I get up, I'm like, I'm going to take a little run walk down the street and, and, um, And big as it used to be, but those things bounce. But when you when you tear your anterior uh, stomach muscle, yeah, I felt like somebody had like a butcher's knife and it was like stabbing me in the stomach, right? And I'm like, ow, ow, ow. I got like a block down the street and I just stopped and then I walked back home and I put a wrap on. I, I've got one of those weight training belts, which are also awesome. I know we, we've talked about that. They're so awesome. <laughs> sweat you'll sweat like a pig around your stomach and when you get done you'll feel skinny for an hour it's so great so anyway, i read <laughs> i ran with I, I ran with one of those and it still hurts so my, my my point is that if it hurts i stop right like ooh, mm-hmm. i should stop yeah this is my body telling me to stop pain is pain is not weakness leaving your body ventura pain is you're too fucking old you should stop or you're really gonna hurt yourself so. Yeah, yeah. There comes a certain age where that that um, axiom just doesn't hold true anymore, <laughs> right? And I am <laughs> way one past. Bit. I am way past that age. That so yeah. No, listen to your body is important. I guess I would just encourage. I would just encourage you to just keep. I don't know. I mean, it's it's the fall, and uh, it's the best time of the year to do what you do, right? That is true. And telling me that your fingers don't hurt no more, right? Yep. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. I just well, there need you to go. get out and then go climb Mount Mount Stark, <laughs> and then go go uh, go do do go uh, go tackle Joe Vitale <laughs> once or twice. Or Dude, the there's other a, there's a lot of work that I got to do 
out at that place. And all of that work is hard work. And Good. So that, You'll that burn all, calories. Exactly. That, that's what it all equals. And so, yeah. Yep. So, and fuck yeah, dude. Between, I mean, because when I go out to bolt routes, my pack weighs usually around 70 pounds. Right. And so I'm going to carry I'm going to hoof that heavy ass pack out there and. Oh, man. And just See, building all the trail and everything. I mean, that's hauling. You got to find good pieces of cedar that are dead, them to size, and then go and install them. And so then you're swinging a big hammer to put the stakes in the ground and digging up dirt to fill in over them and everything. It's it's so much fun. But, man, it's hard work. Wow. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's like. I have a mild, well, it's actually more than mild. I, I, I have a mild case of acrophobia. Um, when I'm on a roller coaster, give me as high as you can go. Scare me to death. That's why I love Halloween. Just, we'll talk about that in a little bit too. But scare me to death. Love it, love it, love it. If I gotta, uh, if I gotta climb something, not so much. You know what I'm saying? Um, I was in, well, I, you know, I'm an Eagle Scout, so I wasn't Boy Scouts. And they had a climbing wall, and I think I don't know. I'm, I'm going to guess it's 25 feet. Okay, that took me, and I was maybe we got plenty of camera stories to tell. Like Johnson, um, and wow. uh, when I was 13, they said, "Let's go do the climbing wall." <laughs> and you got a belayer down below, and they've got some kid, you know, one of the camp counselors, you know, scurries up the tower like he's fucking spider-man like you would joe like bloop, 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 up to the top right there and all right ready go a foot off the ground i'm like get me down this is way too high for me right um lucky for me i had a scoutmaster, mr huntley he was great he used to um he smoke pipe you ever been around people who smoke pipe yeah it's the greatest thing ever pipe smells so good i i haven't gotten into pipe but he he would always bring his pipe out to to the campsites with them. I don't believe that the Boy Scouts would allow that anymore. Just like if I were to go, I don't think they would allow me to smoke my cigars in front of kids. So, uh, fuck them. Um, you know, all that other good stuff. But at any rate, um, he was like, keep, he encouraged me to get to the top. And I finally got to the top after about an hour and a half, you know, 25 feet. And then the fun thing is, as you know, rappelling down, that's, that's, that's the fun part. And, uh, so that, that was cool. So in a way, I, I totally get it, right? So I spent, oh my goodness, not a lot of time climbing, but I've, I've spent a good chunk of my life living in the woods. Uh, I later went to um, become a, a counselor at, at uh, Camp Tomahawk. I, I was an aquatics uh, specialist, and then after six years of doing that, I was the beach director for a year, uh, which was awesome. And we would walk around in Speedos all day and get tanned. And, uh, and it was, and I taught young kids to swim and eventually I taught kids and adults how to be lifeguards. And, um, I tell you that, that those were amazing times we had, we lived in big, oh my goodness, big, um, army tents and our, we were on platforms to keep the critters up, but we were in big army tents, um, right off this long lake. So biggest, one of the biggest lakes in, in Wisconsin and, uh, Many, many a night, I remember just sitting outside my tent watching the, the sunset over the lake and just really feeling close to, uh, well, I'll just be transparent, being feeling close to God and feeling close to the people around me. And uh, and those are really cool days. And I'm, I'm blessed that one of the reasons I bought my house is it kind of reminded me of that feeling. 
I think I posted, if you're friends with me on Facebook, you've seen the, the sunset pictures off my canal. It's the same kind of deal. So I kind of get, you know, that being out in the woods thing is, is just a really cool, cool thing. I don't get to do yeah. it much because the mosquitoes um, down here will eat you alive. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, they get pretty bad up here too. But just that, that feeling of peacefulness that I get being out in the woods, I just, there's nothing that beats it for me. You know, and, and I like climbing, but I, th- I think more, I, j- I just like being out in the woods. I like hiking. And uh, my wife and I do winter hikes all the time where we'll pack up a thermos oh, cool. full, of, full of like hot cider and we'll just drop the boys off with my mom and dad. And we'll be like, yep, yeah, we'll be back around supper time and we'll just drive somewhere out into the driftless zone in Iowa where there's lots of limestone. And we'll just go and hike until we find a cave like big enough to sit in the mouth of. We'll sit in the, the edge of the cave and we'll drink our cider <laughs> and kind of catch our breath. So you are do you're like Lothar. Up, you're like Lothar from the hill people. <laughs> Lothar. I will, I will walk with my woman long until I find her deep cave. And then we will drink the festive drink from the cave. That's pretty much what we do, yeah. <laughs> Yep, we we just hide. We occupy caves. <laughs> no, if I could just get. No, I'm just teasing. No, if I could. No, I live in Minnesota for years, so I totally get snow, and now we don't have, have snow, and it's a glory. Yeah, Skype's fucking up, dude. I don't, do you want to take a quick break, and and we can just hang this up, and I'll call you right back or something with better connection. Yeah, yeah, we can take. A, we'll take a quick break, and yeah, call me right back. Technical difficulties. Is this better? <clears throat> okay, let, yeah, let's hope this one goes better cuz what if was it up with that? It doesn't go better. I don't know. I, you could just <laughs> I could I could restart my my rig if you want. Well, so far so good. Okay. All right. Well, then I'm we sorry about back. that, dude. No, I'd be sorry about it. That at least you stopped me. Otherwise, you'd have like one of my shows. <laughs> dude, your shows are great. <laughs> They're not. They're oh, terrible. Whatever, they sound man. Terrible. They sound terrible. Love listening to tales. Every fucking week, I love listening to tales from the yard. Well, that's good. Only like one person likes it. That's that's good. <laughs> I think the only one I, I the only one I really skipped was when you guys were just talking football stuff, and it was like oh, that I, was hilarious. I just I just I don't know what anybody's talking about, and so it's just like all right. Matter because David was all pissed off about it. It was so awesome. David gets more and more pissed the whole way through. It was awesome. <laughs> That's great. When are we having a Viking show here? Fuck you guys. All right. It was the best. Oh my that God. actually sounds pretty funny. Oh, it's so funny. I love getting David all pissed off. David's easy to get pissed off. He's so great. It doesn't take much. Hey, Dave. It's like this last time. Hey, David. They played the cookie monster drop. That was so awesome. <laughs> I forgot to play it earlier. I'm like, oh, this is comedy gold. I'm going to go ahead and do this with David. And yeah, he bit. He, I, again, I, I, I will fully admit I plan things that I know will piss him off. <laughs> I, I plan it. I plan it ahead of time. I'm like, oh, David's going to flip his shit talking about this. It's going to be great. That's it's going to be fucking great. It's good. It is good. Are you recording? Are we talking about this? Oh yeah, yeah. We're this is. Oh we're okay, going. great. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, <laughs> it is good for him. What were we talking about again? Um, no, I, I yeah, my shows are, uh, man, it's a lot of fun. And now you know the cool thing is, um, 
one getting my son involved like first it was just david and i and that was fun and then getting austin involved was great um, i love hearing austin nice on little, there it's so awesome he's so awesome <laughs> he's got a very sly wit to him that i didn't know he had it was so great like the slash show we're talking about nba 2k or whatever the fuck it was and david was talking about um how he was a pimp or whatever and making his own character and i played the drop and then i was like, you know, in the background david isaac for three and i just <laughs> i just laughed my ass off i'm gonna ma- i haven't made it but remember that uh, video game nba jam yeah 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 i totally i i went looking for it i couldn't find it but i was i was gonna say i wonder if you could make your own nba jam like they do with the um, jib jab where you take somebody's face and you put it on the, you know, and they do the song. I was going to be like, that's totally David Isaac, NBA Jam. He's on fire. So I'm get a picture of, you know, David Isaac, you know, boom shakalakin a, um, a basketball that's on fire. Oh, that would have been just sweet. Um, no, Austin's really, he's a good kid. He's, he's a lot of, he's very funny. Uh, and uh, uh, so that's, that's been cool. And then getting Lynn on, um, and Lynn was, I mean, I don't want to put it, Lynn, Lynn just, um, I don't know. Lynn really just wants to get involved, but doesn't know how. So I'm like, okay, great. So I'm going to go ahead and we had her one a long time ago and, and that was fine. And it's neat going, I don't know. Do you ever listen to your own shows? Cause I sadly listen to my own shows. <laughs> do you ever listen to your own show, Joe? Oh yeah. That, yeah, yeah. Well, how it, else are you going to get better at your craft? If exactly. You if you don't analyze <laughs> And dude, like especially those those short ones I was doing on the comic cast with Rod, uh, covering uh, nail biters. So those ended up just being right around half hour shows. And I'd be like, okay, that's the one where I said this word over and over again. The next episode, I said this word over and over again. And really, right. it's just journeys into okay, what am I going to find that I hate about myself today? Well, I used to be an um guy, mom, um, 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 which is a verbal pause, and I'm a trainer. I should never do that, but I do it all the time. And so. Listening to that, I, I got out of that. Now my verbal pause. You guys, well, I shouldn't tell you what I know. What it is, you, you'll, you'll count it, right? You'll start counting it. But um, tales from the yard drinking game. Yeah, right. So uh, what I did was um, go back to Lynn. I listened to the shows, and I, I, the thing that I love is that she's starting to to open up, and I think that that's great. And Lynn is the sweetest, most kind person I've ever been with. Um, and she is at, she's a very shy person normally. Once you get to know her, then she won't shut up, right? We go out with her, my best friend and, and it's, you know, Katie bar the door. I want to actually want to start a segment. I think I said this. Yeah. Stupid thing. The old man does and have her just talk shit about me. That would, which be, would be awesome. Glorious. It would be totally <laughs> fucking glorious. And right now, if I were to say, you know, a couple of weeks ago, if I were to say, honey, you want to talk shit about me? She was, no. I don't have anything to say, blah, 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 right? But now I think we're getting to the point where we could do that and she would just totally talk about me and it would be fucking great. It'd that be would awesome. be so funny. It would be really, really awesome. And uh, so th- that's been a real nice journey too. So I've got, you know, being able to share that with Lynn is, is helping us grow, which is great. Yeah, it's been um, great hearing her on the shows. And it was cool to be on there and be with her, um, you know, get all the, be on an episode where she was on as well. That was totally cool. Well, yeah, I mean, she's going to be a regular, so that's cool, um, you know, and uh, yeah, no, I, I think it'd be great. And I know that she's going to record with Rebecca and, you know, 
it, it, I, I, don't, I don't lie. My, my wife's been going through some things. Um, she's been in a period of great growth, which is exciting for me, right? So I can watch this and go, oh, I'm so proud of you. But when you're in, an, in the middle of a great growth spurt, it isn't exciting. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it sucks balls. Yeah. So she just has so many things, like one after the other, not be what she anticipated it being, but she's grown from it, right? So I'm, I'm really proud of her, and I, I, I tell her all the time, I, I'm so proud of you. Um, but it, it doesn't get any easier. I, I just know there's a light at the end of the tunnel and things will get better. The one thing I will say, and then we'll change subjects and go back to snow or whatever, but um, that that doctor who – so my wife had a job for all of two days, and then the doctor said, you're not catching on fast enough and, and let her go, which is one of the shittiest things I think anybody's ever done. Oh, that's totally – yeah, when you told that story, dude, that made my blood boil. I'm, I, uh, I'm, 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 Joe and I talked about it every night. Joe's just great. Joe called me up and he's like, you need to get a lawyer. And I'm like, dude, she never even got her social security number. He goes, yeah. So she could easily say, and she gave my wife a personal check that I never had her on the books. I never hired this person. And it's our word against hers. If we went and got a lawyer, it's our word against hers. Right. So then, you know, he and I are talking, he goes, you let me know I'm ready to write a shitty review on Google for her. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Fuck yeah. But I can't do it today. Why not? Because she'll know it's connected to Lynn. And then um, the other thing that I've got to think about, and these are the things I think about, right? Uh, only because I've made mistakes in the past. Um, anytime you make an emotional decision, that's, a, that's another thing Covey talks about, right? Uh, there needs to be space between stimulus and response, right? So uh, you've pissed me off. You have stimulized me. My immediate response is to kick you right in the, in the balls, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you have it. Mm-hmm. But if I give myself some space to think about it, it actually might make a better decision for everybody around, right? So um, I'm thinking, well, you know, I could release and, – and Vitaly every day, I'm like, are you ready? Are you ready to tell me who this bitch is because I'm going to release – you know, <laughs> we're going to release the hounds. And I swear to God, if I were to just say this is the person and this is the address, just like you want – Oh my God! It was the that was the coolest thing. Your your dog Emma. Oh my God! Half price thing. <laughs> that was incredible. It wasn't even. It wasn't even fucking close. No, right? no. It wasn't even close. Like, you know, vote for the cutest dog. That poor girl who runs this. Do you know her, by the way? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I can kind of get into that in a little bit here too. I'll tell well, you a little bit about that. For, I want to hear more about it. But it, like, she had to be just like scratching her head, like, what the fuck's going on? Like, all of a sudden, it's like. And oh, by the way, you know, you probably would have won anyway because, I, you know, I voted right away. But all it takes, you want to get something done, just ask Dan West to do a fucking video for you. Hey, everyone, this is Dan West. And uh, go vote for Joe's dog so he can get uh, a nice uh, hairstylist. Yeah. That was incredible of him to do that, too. I mean, well, for oh sure. Oh, my God. Well, if I were to do a video, everyone would laugh and do nothing. But people do whatever Joe tells – not Joe, Joe, but Dan tells them to do. So I know for a fact that all I'd have to – hey, Dan, yes, what's up, old man? You know, um, Would you um, put a video out and put Dr. What's-Her-Name's address up there and go leave a bad Google review? That literally she would have 200 bad Google reviews in a night, right? I mean it would just be like – and um, 
that would be glorious for a day until she would go, what do all these people have in common and and begin to link things back to my wife, which I can't have. I can't have that. Right. I cannot have that. So, yeah. uh, Yeah. You can't let an emotional decision like that potentially cause something that'll, you know, harm her career chances. And, but, oh, it'd be fucking great. It'd be, it'd be so awesome. (laughs) It feels so good. It's just the whole idea. Now, Rebecca had a great idea. She goes, well, we could all call up there and make appointments and not show up. I'm like, oh, God, that's great. <laughs> that's fantastic. But they also, you know, when you make appointment, get us your address and whatnot. I guess the address is in Cape Coral. Uh, I, I oh, There will come a day of reckoning where I'll uh, – Joe, actually, I have this plan. We made this plan that same night. We're going to get an Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and now it's getting real. Go, you you get to leave this review on this date, and then you get to leave a review three weeks later. We're going to spread it out, and uh, we could do it that way. I don't know. It may not. It may not. Ultimately, it may not be worth it. But um, back to that whole experience, I, I cannot tell you how a moment. You know what I would love to say to this person um, after a few weeks after the fact is that the emotional damage that she did in that decision, forget about whether it was right or wrong or or indifferent, um, it was wrong. But the emotional damage she did to my wife's confidence is, I I can't even begin to describe it, you know? Um, So the amount of work that I've had to do on the back end to, you know, to prop her up, anybody anybody knows her, hey, Lynn, everything's going to be great. This is going to be great. We love you. That's going to be really great for her. Uh, When someone does that to you, you know, it's like, oh, man, I'll never get a job. You know, I'm no good. I let, you know, you can't allow people to, you know, I kept telling them, you can't allow people to determine your worth. Exactly. But it, that's really easy for me to say because it didn't happen to me, right? So, and I get it. I, I've lost a job before. I got laid off before. Did you ever lose your job, Joe? No. Oh, you lucky son of a bitch. It it's really tough, man. You get it's uh, it's pretty numbing for a while. Um, you can talk to Eric Wade about it, ask him about it. But hey. I got lucky. I networked, and within three weeks, I had another job. Ah, perfect. So I got really, really lucky. Oh, but I was lucky. Um, well, so I had one that was close, but when I when I saw the writing on the wall, I was like, no, I I'm not gonna let this fucking asshole fire me. I leave on my terms, and so I just I was working at a convenience store at the time, and. I got just put into this position because like our crew had moved out of this store and moved to a brand new store that got built. And so then they took this whole other crew from a different store and put it in our old store. All the regular customers hated them. And so they're like, well, who's somebody from the old crew that the customers loved? And they're like, well, they love Joe. Like, well, would Joe be willing to go and work for this other place? And I'm like, fuck, okay. It's a shorter drive for me anyway. And so I just get stuck in this crew of all women with this lady who never hired men and all of a sudden she's been told all your customers hate you. We have to bring Joe in. And so then all the customers are excited and right in front of her, they're saying to me, why didn't they just make you the manager? We like you. And so this lady just had it out for me from day one. Oh yeah. And so I showed up one day and there's a new name on the schedule that has all my hours and all my hours are just reduced to the first hour of this new lady's, uh, ske- um, hours on the schedule and so she just wanted me to come in and train this this new girl for an hour and I was like fuck this I'm going out like that and so I just I took off my stupid little smock and handed it to her and I was like you can have this job 
I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to stick around and dig my own grave and train my replacement. I was like, I didn't do anything to deserve this. This is fucked up. Wow. And then she tried to withhold my last paycheck nope. until I came in and signed a fucking statement. And I said, well, what's this? And she's like, she's just trying to rush me into signing it. She's like, oh, you just need to sign it. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to sign something without reading it. She had written up this whole fantasy story about I came in the store and I screamed at her in front of customers and I threw my, my smock at her from across the store. And I was like, none of this happened. I was like, you're out of your fucking mind, lady. I was like, you give me that paycheck fucking now or I'm going to go down to Hiawatha Police Department. I'll be back up here with a fucking sheriff's deputy. I was like, and then you will be handing me that paycheck. And she just handed it to me and I walked out. Oh, you lucky son of a bitch. So, you I know, mean, I've, I've had fucking nightmare boss experiences. And so I really feel for Lynn that she had to put up with a fucking psycho like that. That's nobody just treated like that. No, narcissistic psycho bitch. I got to I got to tell the story because I mean, the Peter Prince, you know what the Peter principle is, right? Nope. Oh, man, this can be an educational show. folks. So the Peter principle basically states that most managers have been promoted two levels above their competence, which is really meant to speak to a lack of leadership development and training in, in uh, executives across uh, across the United States and in the world. You know, you think about the office, right? You think about um, who is the boss? What was his name? Uh, Steve Carell, the boss on the on the office. You've seen the office, right? I couldn't get into it. Okay. It was that. It was that. Yeah, I'm, I'll derail you. You go ahead. No, derail me. It was that. What? I'll let you derail. Miss your show. I mean, derail me all you want. <laughs> yeah, but you know, this is more. Okay, I didn't like The Office because Steve Carell would do things that would make me physically uncomfortable to watch it. And so, rather than just laugh at like the hijinks he was getting into, I would like just be crawling in my skin, being like, "Oh, don't." don't keep doing this. This is too hard to watch. And so I was telling my sister about it. Cause she was the one who was getting me to watch the show. And she's like, yeah, that's, what's funny about it. I'm like, I can't do it. I can't hang. Oh, anyway, that's my office story. So Steve, I love that. I, I remember when he burned his foot on the, uh, George Foreman grill. <laughs> How's that even possible? <laughs> he burned on the George Foreman grill. So he comes limping into work and he's playing a pity <laughs> thing. Like, woe is me. He goes, how'd you burn your foot on the George Foreman grill? He goes, Every night before I go to bed, I put some strips of bacon into my George Foreman grill and I have it set on the timer so that when I wake up in the morning, I wake up to the fresh smell of cooking bacon. And I, I was groggy when I stepped out and I stepped on my George Foreman grill and burned my foot. Wow. Which is fucking <laughs> ridiculous, right? Well, who would ever do that? At any rate, uh, Steve Carell, the boss in the office, was the top salesman at Dunder Mifflin. He was the top sales guy. And this is what people do. They take their top performers and they say, oh, you're really great at sales. You can manage people. Go. Yeah, that's and then not they true. Fail. You're right. That's what the Peter Principle is all about. So we're going to take our top performers, right? We're going to go ahead and throw them into leadership positions without any, any training whatsoever. And we'll go. I, I can tell you that I was in instructional design. I, I manage a team of instructional designers, right? And the work of managing people is super fucking hard. I mean, it's it's really really hard um, to the point that like we're so buried in work right now that I'm actually doing design work, which is awesome. So I get to go ahead and put my designer hat on and go into design. Oh, this is really great. Um, my point is that the work is. It, it, some people will say, "Well, that's easy, right? You're on phone calls, making decisions, talking people, and being strategies, and all this other kind of stuff, right?" 
but it's just a different kind of heart. At any rate, I, I used to work for Dish Network. Dish Network, um, if you have Dish Network, great, fantastic. If you work for Dish Network, I feel sorry for you. Um, they've been voted the meanest company um, in the United States for like five years running. You know that when, when I went to work there. Um, just everybody that that I knew and care about who worked there when I was there has since gone on to greater things, which is fantastic. But I remember um, I worked for a young lady, um, and she was, oh, my God, just terrible. I met her, my old boss. I had a boss, and then he said, you're going to be working for this person. Uh, her initial AP, so I'm just going to call her AP, right? I know she's not listening to the show, but if, if I, you know what I'm saying, if I talk about her, we're going to be in trouble. So I'm at the MSP. We're going to go visit my team. She comes walking out of the gate, hands me her uh, carry-on, and says, thanks for carrying my luggage. And I was like, I just met you, and you handed me your luggage and said, thanks for carrying me your luggage? I'm your, I'm your fucking servant? Is that? Because so in a moment, she yeah, wants to let cool. me know. She wants to let me know. That she was in control. I'm like, okay, fine. So then we went and we talked to everyone on my team. So we drove all over the United States, now all over my territory, which is Minnesota, Iowa, and the Dakotas. And um, I had a guy that worked for me. His name is Pete. And Pete was rough around the edges. Pete hated it. You know, he's in the job. He's a trainer. He really hated his job. And so Pete... P was a project for me because I, I fully believe that, you know what, uh, y- it's partly my responsibility to ensure your success. So if you're going to go on this journey with me, then I'm going to go make some investments in you. You make some investments, all out of the good stuff, right? Uh, psycho babble bullshit, turn off the show. At any rate, one of the things that I found out, I, we took a strengths finder test, found out what he was good at. Um, and he was very, I found out that he was incredibly analytical. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. He, that's why he questioned everything. Like he would question and told him, like, you know, do this. Well, why? Well, why? Well, why? Well, because he's really analytical. So he was just totally and completely miscast. But if once we understand all of that, then it's a matter of, okay, so what can I bring into what you're doing that you can do more of so that you're happy, right? So at any rate, I'm working on Pete. Pete's work is 180% better. Um, he's got great rapport with the site manager. Things are going great. Uh, Amy interviews him. Amy. I said her name. Amy comes back. Her name is Amy. She comes back. She looks at me and she goes, I don't like Pete. I said, yeah, I know he's a little rough around the edges, but I've been working on him and um, we've been working on him. She goes, uh, you know what? Um, I I really dislike him. And so uh, I want you to make his life hell. Hopefully he'll quit. Uh. I said, excuse me? She goes, yeah, you know what? Um, Let's have him work every day up in Duluth, Minnesota, not see his family for weeks. And then um, that'll be enough for him to say, F this job, he'll quit. And then we'll get somebody new in there. And I dusted up my resume and I got the hell out of there. Um, no not, without, shit. not without some drama in between. Matter of fact, I had 14, Joe, I had 14 pages, 14 pages of documented incidents of unprofessional um behavior on my boss i documented everything every conversation 
that because I immediately called my old boss. I said, what do I do? She goes, you start documenting everything while you're looking for a job. Got it. Yep. Right. And I pulled Pete in and I, I'm a, I, maybe this is not the best thing to do, but I remember I pulled Pete in and I sat him down. I said, Pete, um, I got two things that I need you to do. He goes, well, what's that? I said, I need you to bring in your resume tomorrow. He goes, what do you mean? I said, I need you to bring in your resume tomorrow. Why? And I said, because um, I think that um, there are people in this organization above me that uh, have it out for you, and I can't, um, I, I can't, I, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna, I can't sleep at night if I don't do what I think is right here. So bring in your resume. I'll take a look at it. I'll make some phone calls. I want to get you out of here. Um, second, I hate to tell you this, but I've been directed to um, have you go work up in Duluth, Minnesota every week. And he's like, what the fuck? You get really upset, right? Because it's like 30 below zero up there. Uh, if you live in Duluth, I'm sorry. Uh, and so I, what I want you to do, he goes, what's that? I said, I want you to go up there every week. Um, but I want you to take Fridays off uh, and say that you're working. Okay, right? And um, we'll get our way through this. And um, yeah. I remember uh, I got I was with my HR rep, and we had an HR rep. So I, I trained we trained technicians, you know, and they've got a good product and and whatnot. And I don't want to diss the organization; it's just that there's a lot of pricks in it. And um, man, I tell you, uh, I finally was with my site manager and the HR manager, and, and I was just choking down everything because I knew that once I told her what was going on, that my career at this organization was over. Even though I was like, I got to get out of here. I, mm-hmm. I'm like, man, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to get railroaded out, right? Because whistleblowers are not well in the United States at all. So I'm just sitting there, and finally she goes, "What's going on? What's going on?" Her name's Dion D. Uh, she's got a new job somewhere else too. I just said, "This is what's going on, D." And I started to dump my bucket, and the site manager's going, "You're doing the right shooter. You're doing the right thing." So I told her it was going on. She's mortified, taking notes, right? And, uh, I remember going in her office like the next week and I just hung my head and I'm like, okay, did you tell your boss what's going on? She goes, yep. And she looked at me all sad and I was like, okay, so what, uh, what'd she have to say? Well, she has a question and I said, okay, what's that? She goes, well, she wants to know, um, uh, what you'd like us to do about this. And I was like, mortified. I'm like, wait a minute, you're. HR, right? Mm-hmm. And so HR, in my opinion, um, has an obligation to their employees. So once an investigation is opened up, they have an obligation to follow it all the way through. So I come to you with these notes. I come to you with an investigation, and I, I throw my career out the window and say I'm going to do the right thing, right? And uh, you ask me what you want us to do with this? And she goes, yep. You tell your boss that I don't want her to do anything, that I'll handle it. Because I knew that they weren't going to have my back, right? Yeah. Oh, God, this blew my mind. Totally, totally blew my mind. Maybe, hopefully the place is a better place today, but I'm, and I probably shouldn't mention the name. We could edit this out, right? Um, like anybody's <laughs> listening. At, at any rate, I'm, my, my whole point is that there are, man, there are a lot of people out there that are just, I like the Peter principle running, running wild. And I, I'm really glad that happened to my wife, but I, I kind of sort of get it because the, the time that I spent with my boss over at dish, that was, that was a nightmare, right? Like getting calls at 10 o'clock at night, getting yelled at because also didn't do something the right way and just totally inappropriate 
behavior from a, from a management perspective. And uh, I don't know the end of the story for the other individuals other than the people, like I said, the people that I call my friends that I got to work with over there. As soon as I, I was like the domino, I, I left. And then um, Dion left, and um, uh, uh, Pete got a job. This is the best. I'll end my story here. This is the best part of my story, right? So I called a friend of mine in the satellite business because I I did a lot of work in the satellite business when I I worked. I used to work at Best Buy. And um, I said, you know what? I may be looking for a job. And he goes, oh, I got this great job, and and you'd be great at it, but it requires a lot of travel, and I didn't want to travel. So I sent him Pete's resume. And Pete got the job. He's working for Fastenal, I think. Oh, nice. years later, years later, right? I'm I'm in Atlanta. I'm I'm waiting to get on a plane in Delta. So if you go, you fly Delta ninety percent of the time, you're going through Atlanta, right? That's just yes, that's what happens. And uh, at my gate, there's Pete, and he runs up to me and he goes, "Oh my God, Scott, what are you? Are you on this plane?" I'm like, "Yeah." And I hardly recognized him because he was so happy. Oh, perfect. He was so happy. And I'm back in the exit row, and he's in first class because he's working for Fastenal. He's on the road every week. He's got rock star status on Delta, right? He comes by. He goes, do you want a drink? He goes, I'd love a drink. He goes, he's sitting there going to the stewardesses going, my friend, uh, my ex-boss, he's in the uh, exit row 28-1A. You keep keep feeding him whatever he wants and he was and he was just being a big rock star i never felt more more accomplished in my whole life i was so happy for him i was oh. so happy that he out and he had a good job and that he was doing the right things and sometimes life does that too sometimes life just brings this like everything comes full circle and you get this moment kind of like with paul when when he was talking about um stuff that that'll make you cry with his his, his uh, parents of his kids mm-hmm yeah. Yeah, that is kind of weird that, that that'll happen sometimes that, you know, at the time it, it'll feel like, oh, this is crushing and this is horrible. And then something better will come out of it. And oh. that's fucking great. Good for Pete, man. Oh, man. I'm so <laughs> I love that. Yeah, Pete's just a great guy. And I, I and, and like I said, it's not Pete's fault. Right. It's mm-hmm. not Pete's fault that he was miscast. It's not Pete's fault that he wasn't given the time and attention to from somebody who just an empath like me, right? That that just sat down and said, "Let's try to figure out what's going on, and I want to make investments in you as a person because I because I need you to be productive, right?" So anybody and everybody on my team, the team that I have now, I have a small, nimble team. Um, I work really, really, really hard to make sure that they feel fulfilled in what they're doing. Because I'm too cheap and lazy to allow talent to walk out of my sphere of influence. You know what I'm saying? It'll, yeah. it'll take, oh my gosh, I just hired another person. We saw our team grew by one. Um, I hired a, a nice young uh, lady out of Nashville to join my team. She's really great. And I'm really excited because, you know, the first thing I thought of, are they a good fit on our team? Because I'm not just going to bring anybody on my team, right? So great team. I talked to everybody about it. Um, But it took two months and several, I mean, well over $15,000. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, if I'm going to be a steward of resources for the business that I'm in, I can't can't just waste that kind of money. It's it's ridiculous. It's hard to train people. All the time. 
Well, it's 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 not even about training people, Joe. It's about finding talent. Finding talent is not easy. I interviewed. Oh my gosh, we 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 went through about twenty people for one open position, which is low on in, in my humble opinion, based on what everything else going on. Well, um, had four finalists for panel interviews, right? Hired one. The the only person, the only person who took any time to write any kind of thank you note after the panel interview ultimately was the individual that that I hired. I didn't hire that individual because they wrote it, but it was a testament to the kind of person that they are. And I was shocked. I was positively shocked that professionals in these day and age, in this day and age, would not do what I thought was ticket to admission as far as trying to find a better job and take the time to thank people for their time. Like I took an entire week of productivity from the things that I needed to do to, to make an investment in them you know, for an opportunity. And so did a whole lot of my peers and colleagues and superiors. And you can't spend 10 minutes writing me an email, an email for crying out loud. Yeah. Oh, but if you were to go ahead and take a pen and paper and hand write one out, I, I, I would have lost my mind, but I still couldn't believe that's a lost art. I don't know. Have you ever done that? You ever sent thank you? I'm sure maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Well, I've been in the job that I'm in right now for so long but like it's it's been a really long time since I've done like an interview like that but I mean shit dude I was in my mid 20s back then and I was so stupid in my 20s right? <laughs> that I I definitely well, we wouldn't were. have done then but you know I'm a much and you know I I can't say for certain that I would have done it without hearing you tell that story first but you know, I'm I'm hoping anybody that hears this, a light bulb goes off in their Dude, head if they've never I'm considered that right because now, that's fucking brilliant. It's not fucking brilliant. It used to be ticket to admission. It used to be something that you always did. You spent. I, I told Lynn every job that she's applied for, make sure you spend the time to send in a thank you note. Send a thank you note, whether you get the job or not. Speaks to character. Oh, there's something that's missing. Character. Can I tell you? I, I I'm itching to tell a story. About yeah, do character. it. Can I tell a story about character? Absolutely. Because I want to try to get. I want to try to be like Paul Hart. I want to try to make people cry. <laughs> okay. Character is really important, and I think it's. Um, and like I said, something that's just so missing from today. I mean, uh, people are far more um, concerned with how many likes they have on a stupid picture they're taking. That doesn't look very good, by the way. I use. Are you a selfie guy? I mean, I'm not Jared Gafford by any means. But, you know, do you know, it, it makes me super uncomfortable to and do I'm it. not very good at it. Most of my selfies look like crap. I've learned. It, a that's what stuff. I feel it, like. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know it's just no, like you got to hold it over your head and look down. Like my, my daughter-in-law is like amazing at it. I'm like, how the hell? Uh, <laughs> I use a timer. So I cheat. I put the thing on and I put it on three seconds and I turn back and that's how I do my pictures. I use a timer. But at any rate, so my son uh, my son moved to, um, to Florida. Um, thank God I had just left, uh, my ex and my son with his mom. Um, mom, um, that's a long story too, but uh, let's just say that there was very little I could do to stop mom to move, move from moving to Florida. Right. Um, nor if I'm really honest with myself, I really didn't want to because all that is going to do is create friction in an already unique relationship, right? So 
Mm-hmm. And, I, and when when Austin's mom and I got divorced, um, man, I remember uh, she's got serious money. So we'll just leave it at that. She's got a lot of money. I mean, more money than I want to think about talking about. So I, I walked away from that. Um, there's a long story there. But at any rate, I remember my first lawyer was like, all right, we're going to go out. We had a prenup. Okay. I have feelings about it. I don't, what's your feelings on a prenup, Joe? I think it's generally a good idea. Really? See, I'd well, been through it, it. It, I would it, say it's a bad idea, but go ahead. Why do you think it's a good idea? Well, I would say it depends because I've okay. heard stories on podcasts. Like, have you heard about like the, 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 the actor Dave Foley went through no. in his divorce? No. Oh my God. It's fucking horrific. So, when they got the divorce, that's when he was on TV making lots of money. And then, you know, what's really the last shit that you've seen a lot of Dave Foley in? So his paychecks went down substantially. Mm-hmm. And when he went to the judge and said, I can't keep paying her what I was doing, the judge basically said, your ability to pay did not change the fact that you need to pay this. And he's like, but oh, I'm not making these big paychecks anymore. I'm not getting this kind of work like I was when we were married. And the judge is like, it doesn't matter. Oh, man. In, that in that case, it would, well, yeah. And in that right. case, and that's also fucked up California law. And mm-hmm. But it, it, in that case, I was like, that's fucking heartbreaking. And then I've heard uh, this other story that, um, oh, somebody had gone through a divorce and they had to pay alimony to their ex-wife. But it was on the condition to where if if she had like, you know, like if she got married again or had like a serious boyfriend that was living in, the alimony would stop. Uh-huh. And so there was a guy that was living with her and he knew it. And like every time that he would get, you know, the representative of the court or whatever to go over there, they would have to like let her know that they were coming over. So this dude that was living in this guy's old house with his ex would just load up all of his shit into a U-Haul, drive around the block, and wait for the walkthrough to be done, and then he'd just come right back around. Yeah, and so, know, you know, when people game the system like that, it's like, God fucking damn it. Yeah, but you know what? It, it, I, don't, I don't know if a prenup gets in the way of that one. Dave Foley, I totally can see. My experience was one of, it. it's like... You get a get out of jail free card, right? So I sign this. I get to keep my stuff. You get to keep your stuff. Yeah, got it. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. So if we have an argument or we're not seeing eye to eye on something, I got this get out of jail free card and I'm just going to play it and take my stuff and go. Right? So mm-hmm. again, I had a prenup. So I, I get it. I see where you're coming from. My experience was one of like I would never do it again ever. I, and I, I didn't. The other two times that I didn't, I just wouldn't. That's what I believe. That's just something I believe. It's important to be able to work stuff out. And if you get the get out of jail free card, it's too easy to say, well, fuck this, I'm out. And marriage, okay, you know, I see yeah, what angle you're coming you know from what? there. Marriage isn't all, all about like, well, I'm just going to keep my stuff and walk away. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be, you know, let's go ahead and seriously work this out. So at any rate, um, oh, I'm going to talk any story. So she moved to Florida, right? <clears throat> and I was sitting in a, I was sitting having a cigar with uh, my former boss, a guy named Bill Jenkins. He, he married Lynn and I in, uh, in, my, in our yard. So if you're Facebook friends with us, you could see that. It's a great, great picture. He's just a great guy. He and I are having a cigar. He goes, uh, so Scott, uh, your son lives in Florida, right? <clears throat> yeah. How hard is that on you? That's pretty hard. How often do you get to see him? 
maybe once a month, fly down to yeah. okay. You know, you can do this job anywhere you want. You know, I was living in Minnesota at the time. He goes, you can do, you can do it anywhere you want. I said, really? Because yeah, I'll support you moving to Florida. You know, if 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 I were you, what do you got? What do you got holding you, your, yourself back up here? I said, so you just got my mom and dad. They, they doing okay? I went, yeah. You're not married? No. You don't have a girlfriend? No, just dump psycho Susie. So don't don't have a girlfriend? Yep. Okay, great. Well, shit, I I'd, I'd pack up all my shit and I get down there as soon as I could. Two weeks later, I packed up all my shit and I moved down to Florida. Nice. Made my boss really happy. Because, you know, when you tell people personal shit like that, uh, best thing I ever did, right? Um, his mom and I have a better relationship because I did it, right? Um, my son and I have a relationship, a much better relationship. I mean, I can't even imagine flying down. And I, there's so many things that I would have missed. Um, my son played football at um, Community School of Naples, CSN. And he was a, um, he's a right tackle. So he was one of those guys that opened up holes for running backs. Uh, and he's, every meet Austin, the, the kid is, he's just a monster. He's just this big, gentle giant of a, of a, of a kid. He's very emotional like his dad. And mom's like, oh, he'll never be good at football. My son was effing great at football. And uh, his, um, his junior and senior year, um, his team, they were in a small division, right? They played all the, all the parochial schools. Um, all the Catholic high school stuff like that. So they never really paid. So like Florida is like Texas. Like football is, it's just fucking huge, right? I mean, it's just a huge, huge, big, big stadiums around all that good stuff. Um, I, uh, I played, I DJed music. I used to be DJ, DJed weddings for like 14 years, right? So at his games, first couple of games I went to, it was like boring as shit. So I went to the athletic director. I said, can I play football? Can I play music at the games here? And he's like, yeah. So I was like sideline DJ because they didn't have a pep band or anything for his football games, which was really, really awesome. I remember one time my um, now ex-father-in-law, he showed up and he's a very rich and powerful man. And he's sitting there in the, in the uh, stands and I'm playing music and he turns around and he goes, hey, it's a little loud there, Scott. And I looked at him and I said, I ain't playing for you. It was great. <laughs> I said, I ain't playing for you. I'm playing it for those kids out on the, on the field. And he kind of grumbled, huffed and hawed and sat down. And I was like, ha ha. Uh, but, you know, for four <laughs> years, for four years, uh, I uh, I got to experience Friday Night Lights, which is glorious. I lived vicariously through my His junior year, <clears throat> his team makes it to the divisional finals. So they're playing for the finals in their division. Um, it was over in West Palm Beach, Florida. And um, I took the day off and I drove out there. My boss was like, get out there, right? You can't miss this. So I drove all the way out there. Um, Mom skipped that game. I'm disappointed in that. Uh, I think if you asked Austin, I probably wouldn't ask Austin. I, I know he's disappointed in it too. But I remember getting out there and this team had this big stadium and they were – um, it, you know, they had twice as many kids and, uh, it was a real close, close game. Right. And, um, what happened to is our quarterback did a quarterback sneak and hurt his knee. And then he looked like Brett Favre for the last, uh, last five minutes of the game. And I think they won by like two to three points or something like that. Yeah. So it was a real tough, it was a real close game, real tough game. So they lose the game. All right. We're all sad. 
But hey, they went to the championship. Uh, I'm, I'm so glad I got to see my son playing a championship game. How cool is that, right? Yeah. So these kids from school in West Palm Beach, Florida, and their coaches and the families, they all come running out on the field because they won, right? Yeah. And our coach goes to try to line up the kids to shake hands because that's what you do. Sign a good sportsmanship. You line up. You shake hands. Mm-hmm. And so they started lining this up, and then nobody in the other team is paying any attention to this at all. They're too in the moment, and they're bowling people over and all of the kind of stuff, just partying out on the field. And so the coach goes, "All right, everybody to the corner of the end zone. We're gonna have our post game talk, and that'll be that." And so I'm watching this, and. Uh, the, our head coach is in there in the middle of the field. And after about, I swear to God, it felt like a good 15 minutes, maybe less than that. The coaches from the other team go, oh, shit, we fucked up. We, we've we just been complete dicks. Yeah, you've been complete dicks. You should have shook all the players' hands before you went and partied, right? Um, that was poor sportsmanship. Um, I'll give you a pass. Back then, I was really pissed about it. So finally... Uh, the two coaches go shake our head coaches, right? And so the team starts um, starts rounding up kids, right? Oh, hey, hey, Johnny, uh, grab your grab your helmet. Um, you got to get in the line. Hey, uh, hey, uh, Bobby, uh, stop, stop groping the cheerleader over there. You got to get in line. You got to shake some hands, right? Out of the corner of my eye, I see one player come from the corner of the end zone, starts walking out in the middle of the field. And slowly behind him, the rest of the team, um, saddened, starts falling behind with that one player, lining up to shake hands with a bunch of people that dismissed them and were acting like dicks. Uh, and the person leading the team on the field is number 75, happened to be my son. Nice. I'm trying to catch myself. Uh, <laughs> that's I, okay, uh, <laughs> I'm never oh, that's awesome. proud in my life. It would have been really, really cool if uh, they won that game. That would have been cool. I would have never. I would have. I would have remembered that night. I will never forget them, ever. And uh, so, the the cool thing is that uh, his senior year. He led his team to shake hands after every game. They had him go up and, and lead the team. He set himself apart as a leader on the field uh, in one moment of character. And, uh, you know, I'm just so proud of him. I remember uh, when he graduated, two, two quick uh, addendums to that story. One was, you know, his mom wasn't there. Missed that moment, Right. Mm-hmm. I feel so sad for her that she missed that that moment. I'm a football nut. I'm, I'm like living vicariously through my kid. But I, even if you don't know football, you know and you understand what's going on in that moment. And I remember, uh, I remember I wrote her a note. So my son graduated, and, and uh, I wrote her a note, and I said. Uh, Hey, you know, I know that um, 
things didn't work out the way that we wanted it to work out. I'm a really great kid, and you ought to feel really awesome about what kind of kid he is because you played a big part in that. I'm not going to take away any part that she may have or may not have had in raising our son. Of course, you have played a big part in that, mm-hmm. right? And then I wrote in there, I wrote her that story. This is what I'm going to, you missed this. I want to share this with you because it's really important that you know this story. And I, I, I remember um, one day your kids will graduate. And if you're not, for me, it was really an emotional experience. Uh, I've got a crazy ex-wife that I'm afraid of that may come in and, and lynch me. But, I, but also uh, just the culmination of a lot of hard work. If you're not part of your child's life every day. It's a lot of work. Um, and I'm just so proud of him. So I remember I, I go up to my dad and had a note and I go, well, this is for you. She looked at me and she goes, what's wrong? Like, well, nothing's wrong. What's the note about? It's a good note. <laughs> she, <laughs> yeah. she, she read it. Read it later. You need to read that note later. It's good shit. Okay. I never heard from her uh, about the note. I don't know if she read it. She may not have. I, I, I would have said something, but that's me. Maybe you didn't have the words to say whatever. So that's fine. Um, but the other thing is, I remember when Austin graduated, the uh, thing that I gave him. like So his he comes from a family of wealth now, right? So he get whatever he wants. And one of the things that I work really, really hard with him is to some sense of understanding of, you know, you, you have to, you got to work for things in life and you should appreciate the things that you have in life. Cause it's really easy if you have whatever you want, not to appreciate anything, mm-hmm. which is ultimately why his mother and I didn't, didn't work out. Right. If I can get anything I want, how can I appreciate things? How can I appreciate you? Um, there's a lot more to it, but we won't get into that. But I searched long and hard. I got him. Um, I got him a, an autographed picture. Rebecca's going to love this. I got an autographed picture of uh, Chris Evans. Okay? Captain America. And I, I might still have the note. I wouldn't be able to read it because I turned into a, a bunch of gush. But I wrote a note with it too. But it's Chris <laughs> Evans standing in front of his uniform in the movie Avengers. Remember that? When they unveiled a uniform behind glass. By the way, who the fuck would do that? Right. <laughs> hey, Captain America, we put this uniform for you behind some glass. It looks really awesome. Um, <laughs> I, I, and so it was, you know, it's Chris Evans and it's autographed. And look at the uniform. My note basically said um, something to the effect of, you know, um, uh, it was all about leadership and it was all about how this how this day and how this moment and every moment beyond that is important and how. The symbolism of that picture, the fact that it's Chris Evans, sorry, Rebecca, you can't fucking have it, um, is <laughs> in that moment, uh, Steve Rogers accepts who he is and accepts who he's supposed to be. And he does really great things. So that was my note to my kid. I'm like, you know, this is a moment for you to reflect on the great things that you've done and make a decision on who you want to be and go out and do better things. And to me, that's all about character. And character, I think, is just so important. It's something that um, that doctor that let my wife go after two days has no fucking idea what it's about. 
uh, it's something that I believe that sadly um, many of the leaders of, of the world don't understand. Um, I like to call it leadership. We, we don't have leadership, Joe. We have leadership. It's all about me. It seems like that. It's all about me. Um, I get pissed off. I get so pissed off about that because as a leader of, of people, um, it's not about me. So at any rate, um, yeah, no, we should probably talk about something else because <laughs> I've probably made everybody gush. But did you have any moments like that with your kids or have you had moments like that where you, you just go, wow, those mind blowing. I, I can't in all my days, I never thought that I would see my kids do that. Uh, yeah, I, I see that a lot with my kid. My, my oldest one, Aiden, is very empathetic, and he's just a, a tremendous sweetie. And the way that he acts around kids that are younger than him, the way that he's respectful with them, and he's so gentle with them. Um, his little niece just turned three on Tuesday, and whenever they're all together at my mom and dad's house, they have a split um, split level home. And right. so there's a short little run of steps. And when my kids were little and we went over to mom and dad's, either me or Lindsay just, we had step duty. We were just sitting at the bottom of the steps, guarding those steps to make sure that one of the kids didn't go up the steps and then fall down these oak steps. But when Jordan's over there and Aiden's there, Aiden takes care of her. He's like walking right along next to her in the upstairs hallway and he kind of guards that edge of the stairs and everything. And it's just so sweet watching him do that. And he does that because he's very observant and he sees that that's the way the adults act around the kids. And so he's like, well, that's the way that I should act around the kids because this is the way you're supposed to be. Right. Right. And yeah, it, it, it makes my heart swell every time I see him doing things like that. So does he get a spot at the grown up Thanksgiving? <laughs> uh let's see no they're, they're usually sitting at a little table off to the side and he's pretty stoked about that because then he's he's got his his little cousin jordan and then he's got his second cousin uh adeline usually as well so then it's aiden and liam and then Addie and jordan and so they're pretty content at the little miniature card table Come on, you know, you know he wants to sit with you. <laughs> well, so, sometimes they set up the tables too. I'm pretty sure last year they they or the, the year before that because he was actually sick last year. That's a right of fucking passage, dude. When you graduate <laughs> to the adult table, the kids are at the card table, and you're yeah. at the adult table, and you have no idea what to say or who to look at or nothing. That is that is that that's the pinnacle. That's the ultimate. You know what I'm saying? Don't <laughs> deny when your kid's ready for it. Don't deny. Hey, I I, I just want you to sit at the uh, at the big people table and you know let let your sister you know be with the kids. Yeah, yeah. No, I, our family things are usually pretty informal. But no, I totally get what you're saying. And yeah, that would be a big deal to him. Yeah. No, for sure, for sure. But, um, one one of the things that I was thinking about when you were talking about character and. That, and it ties right into also with, you know, don't react to things when you're emotional. And that's one of the very buzz that when, when the time comes that I actually lose my temper, then it's like I go totally fucking crazy. And then afterwards I get concerned about it. And it's like, 
well, okay, in the moment, I had every right to be pissed off at that person. And maybe I shouldn't have said the things I said, but in that moment, and even to a certain extent right now, I will stand behind every one of those things I said. But then I also worry, it's like, to a large extent, I'm not that person. And so I worry, you know, will that reflect poorly on my character? But then at the same time, it's balance it against, well, you know, if they wouldn't have done this and got me to the point where I was this upset, that shit wouldn't have happened in the first place. And so... Well, I, I would argue that you probably need you to, well, I would recommend that you think about character as this, I and mean, character is doing the right things even though nobody's watching you, right? Yeah. So who is Joe Stark when you're just walking around in the woods all by yourself? Are you the Joe Stark, you know, littering the, the pathways? Are you throwing your cigarettes over, you know, the ravine, um, spray painting, I love you know, porgs on the, on the side of trees or, you know, what, whatever you're doing, or are you one of those people that, you know, is doing all the right things? Um, you know, what's funny is like, you know, we live in a society where everybody wants credit for everything that they do. And a lot of times like we've had, so, uh, our friend Jake had a real tough year last year and Jake went out and asked for help, uh, three times he asked for help. And I'm one of those people that's proud to say, well, I helped Jake out to the best of my ability each time. Um, but I remember you go to that site where you could give money and it's like, do you want to have your name associated with it? Well, that's, that's not why I'm giving money to Jake. I'm not, I mean, I'm not giving money to Jake credit for it. Yeah. I'm giving money to Jake cause I love him and I, I hope things get better for him. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So anyway, circle back into where, where you're at. Everybody has everybody has the right to get pissed off. And everybody has the right to be angry. Well, well I'm gonna I'm gonna wage that um, you're the kind of person that after everything's done and you've known you've been a, a dink about stuff. That hey, you know, like even today <laughs> we were having dinner and I just said, you know, honey, I'm sorry for for losing my temper last night. I you know I stepped in in a lot of dog shit and I was really not happy about it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and it, it, that speaks louder to your character than those moments of of, uh, of emotion. I mean, I think it's hard to demonstrate character when you're full. And that's where, why I think that if you can demonstrate, the hardest thing in life is demonstrating restraint, right? Yeah. Like I immediately wanted, when I found out what happened to my wife, I didn't know I'm with the right person because I felt this way. Never felt this way before in my life. I wanted to hop on a plane. I was out of town. I wanted to hop on a plane, drive to this woman's place, and walk in, ask for her by name, and just let her have it. I mean, not hit her, but let her know how I felt. Stuff. Yeah. And I still feel like I'd love to let this person know this is the damage you did to a wonderful, beautiful person, and you should feel like shit. But I also know that if I you know hindsight 2020, right? Like it's gonna, it's it's not gonna do any difference. It's not gonna mean anything to someone like that. It's not. It, they're not, they don't give. They don't care. Why should they care? So anyway, best circling back to character. So to me, it's a, it. You know, we have those moments of of emotion, uh, and then we have moments of reflection, and then we have motion of uh, moments of healing. And I, I can't imagine that you're a man that's devoid of those moments of healing. 
Yeah, I like that. Never thought of it that <laughs> way, dude. No, I mean, that's great. That, that really does help. I need to talk to you more often, Shooty. <laughs> no, as you're talking. I had a bad day. As you're talking, I'm like, God damn, Shooty's going to get a lot of text messages from me in the future. <laughs> you can. You know, what, you know what my best friend says? Um, my best friend is a guy named Bennett. He's, uh, he, he's a guy that's been through a lot, too. But you know, he, you know, he always, always said to me, and I, I remember this, it's true. Um, do you know what the price of wisdom is, Joe? Experience? Uh, close. The price of wisdom is pain. Oh. It is. Pain is All a great teacher. It is. Sadly, right? Yes. Uh, it is sadly. That's why when we have, uh, you know, we have kids, we have to avoid pain in life. Like, don't, don't, right? And the hardest thing you could do as a parent it's just let your kids make a mistake, even huge mistakes, right? It's so hard. And uh, um, yeah, so the only reason that I might even sound wise at all is just because I'm old, but because I've gone through so much. <laughs> and I think that, man, you know, I remember talking to Rebecca um, the very first time we did a My Story, um, which was so, because I couldn't believe how open she was about stuff. But, you know, the, the, the kindest people that you know, I, I truly believe this, the kindest people that you know have been through a lot. That I don't think that you, you necessarily, uh, your kids are going to be kind because their dad is kind. He's goofy. He climbs rocks and shit like that. <laughs> you know, boots and hats and hats and boots, all that kind of stuff. Right. <laughs> I, so I get that. I can't, I'll, I'll never forget that. Um, <laughs> the boots and coats and hats and mittens. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Dude, it's yeah. getting that time of year. I was it's, just thinking this morning, oh, I'm going to get to start saying it again. <laughs> oh, man. So awesome. Uh, but no, you've been through some stuff and it makes, you know, it rounds up, you know, it, it makes us who, and, and, and that, and to a certain extent, that helps build who we are from a character point of view. Uh, I'm, I'm lucky, I, you know, been stuff, but I'm also lucky that. You know, um, I've, I've been lucky to be around good people. Um, when I was, boy, uh, you know, one the very first job I ever had was that aquatics specialist over at Camp Tomahawk. And I'm going to be honest and say that being there an insecure 16 year old kid, didn't know what he was doing. And, you know, for the first half of that summer, I, 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 I was lost. I didn't know what I was and, um, I, I'll never forget this. Uh, my boss at the time, I don't mind saying his name, Al Hoffa. He actually ran for some office. He's a big Bernie supporter. I'm not a big Bernie supporter. He loves Bernie. Al Hoffa sat me down on that beach and he said, Scott, how you doing? And I was just you know, mid year review or mid season review. And I just said, I don't think I'm good doing a good job and I really want to do a good job and I need some help. And he goes, I would agree. Here's what we're going to do. And he sat down and he made it to me and everybody else. We had six people on that on that beach staff. And every one of those people, a guy named Dan Dixon, helped me lose weight that summer. I dropped 40 pounds in a summer, um, which is really cool. Um, one of my friends, David Allen, helped me with some stuff. And I had a great summer. You know, so when we can get to the end of the end of the season review, I, I had stellar reviews. But it's because kind people – took the time to make an investment in someone knowing that there'd be long-term benefits, right? So when we look at, one of the things that's awesome 
and, and you never forget those moments. And one of the things that's awesome about the community that we're in is that I just don't believe there's a lot of kind, good people there. You know, some of them are crustier than others, um, <laughs> like me and David Isaac. That's why I love him so much. Uh, but for the most part, I think we're kind people. And that's why I'm really blessed that, you know, I, 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 I've talked about her a lot, but, you know, Lynn's going through some stuff. And one of the things that she's been doing is you know, cutting a cord of, of icky people in her life. Uh, by the way, icky people don't leave you quickly. You know, drama doesn't leave your life without a little bit of a fight. But the thing that, that I'm really blessed with is that she's got, you know, real good people that can connect to at the push of a button. And I know that she's chatted with Rebecca on, on times that she's down and she's chatted with other people at times she's down and, and she opened fight to me like, you've got really great friends. I'm like in the back of my head. Well, I really just kind of met them a year ago, but yeah, I've got really fucking really great friends, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so, you know, surround yourself with good, positive people in your life and you're, you're one step ahead of everybody else. And so that's one of the things that's just really cool about where we're at. It does make a huge difference. Oh, my God. You know, and that's, I, you know, you take a look at your kids and you just hope that, you know, they surround themselves with decent people. And, you know, if they're not, you want to cut that off at the knees right away, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah, you do. But it's hard because as soon as you do that, they want to, no, I want to continue to hang with my, my, my deadbeat friends who's, who steal my candy bars when I'm not getting <laughs> oh my goodness yeah. so uh yeah i learned those lessons the hard way when i was younger and that is one of the things that i worry about with my kids well what uh, running with the wrong crowd mm-hmm. the whole guilt by association thing or just being too trusting of people like, i remember when i was in middle school i got into playing magic the gathering and then when i got into high school and then met more people that played the game. The first people that I'd never hung out with before, but I was like, oh, they must be cool. They play magic. Had them over to my house. The one dude's distracting me while the other dude's going through my deck and stealing all my singer vampires. Those fuckers. They fucking assholes. It pissed me off so bad I quit playing the game. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that one bad experience, it fouled me. I was like, fuck these people. Like, what in the fuck is wrong? And that was, I had a lot of lessons like that through school where I just got burned by being too nice and too. And it was meeting the, you know, not physically meeting, but like joining the leftover army and meeting all these incredibly wonderful people that, I mean, you'd find online of all places. Generally, generally online is where people are their worst. But with the people that I've met in the Leftover Army, they're so kind, so selfless. Everybody's so friendly with each other. And it's just wonderful. You know, okay, so here's the funny thing. Well, it's not funny. I thought about this today. Like, I have to go and start following some of my non-Leftover Army friends because all I get all day long is nothing but you assholes in my Facebook feed. That That's it. <laughs> that's all I get. Like, What's your grandma? Oh, fuck, I, I don't know. I got to go look her up, right? What What are these people doing? Because I I don't know. I, that's all I get in my feed, which is kind of, it's it's very, very cool. It's real. Um, I gave Brian props to that like a year ago, and he's like, oh, I, I, 
oh, I, I, I got nothing to do with it. But he's got to be feeling like, what the hell did I do? You know, it, it, I, I don't even think that I would say it's Brian. It's just one of those magical things that happened. And um, I, I think it's just wicked cool. Are you going to go to B2 this year? Oh, absolutely. I would not miss out. I was so jealous seeing all those pictures of you all meeting up. I was like, God damn, that's a five-hour drive away from me. Why am I not there? Why are you not there? Eh, I'm a uh, poor planner. You are a poor planner. Well, we got the we got the planning session. I, I, can you imagine? I can't you know, say, so we had about 15 people there last year. There's got to be, holy crap. I think we could easily double it, maybe triple it. It's going to be huge. Well, here's my thought. I just thought today we should totally have one of the days be a leftover army day. And then like we were supposed to do it on Friday. Everybody wear their shirts. Um, my shirt didn't fit me anymore. It was way too big. So I didn't wear it. But we should have one day where, or even cosplay one day where we're all leftover army members and just kind of take over the con. That would be awesome. That'd you know, like five oh first. Oh, oh, that was so much fun. Um, I'd had that yeah. thought that if we all wore popular shirts, <laughs> other people there would be like, who the fuck is this big group of people all wearing PCL? I was like, we're the leftover army, motherfuckers. That's right. We should get a leftover <laughs> army t-shirt. We should design one and then wear it. You know what I'm saying? The PCL is great. It'd be nice to have something like that. I don't know, but it'd be cool. Um, one of the things that I know we're going to do this year for sure is uh, I want to get a venue for the nights because like Friday night, we all kind of had to go our own separate ways because we didn't plan well enough to to uh, to have a venue large enough for everybody. And no one could decide where they're going to go. So I'm like, well, fuck this. You know what? There are plenty of bars in Chicago that have private dining spaces. And they're not going to charge an arm and a leg to use them because if 60 people show up, they're going to make a ton of money in alcohol, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and by the way, I wouldn't mind spending an additional $10. I'm sure we could get whatever we need to do that. So Friday night, Saturday night, for sure, I want to get uh, a private venue set up. So, hey, I don't care when you show up, but this is where everybody's going to be. Um, yeah, that'll be perfect. Yeah, and Frank couldn't go because his, you know, his, his back hurt. Same thing, walking on concrete the whole time, hurt his back. He didn't get out there. I, you know, that it was such it was such a funny story. I know I told that story but it was such a clusterfuck finding a place to eat Saturday night where we could all eat that. I mean, I don't, I don't want to do it because it took away from, I mean, it created stories and that's great, but it took away from the, what I really wanted to do, which is just kind of hang. Like, yeah. I just want to hang and I want to talk. Nope. Now I got to hang, get my GPS out and start walking through cold neighborhoods here in uh, Chicago because the happy bridge was, um, not acceptable to, well, not acceptable. We just, it was a shithole and I love Jake and Harmon, but he found a shithole for us to all go to. And, and we just <laughs> needed something better work. It wasn't going to work. Um, yeah, not a big fan, but it, Hey, you know what? It, it, it all ended up, it all worked out real great. Um, yeah, yeah. So for sure, I was trying to plan out yard fest, which is kind of a, my own little thing. I want to do my own little thing. Yeah, Cause I would love to have more people come visit. It'd be fantastic. But I, I just don't think that a lot of people have. Rebecca and I were talking. I don't think a lot of people have a lot of money. So maybe we just have the one thing. Um, not preventing anybody to come visit me. You're all welcome to come visit me. Uh, that would be great. I wish. I wish, Joe. I wish that. Uh, I wish I had people come to visit me next week because 
that would be fucking amazing. That would be so, so cool if I had some people to help haunt the yard, dude. Yeah, for your Halloween party. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Well, it's not even a party so much as it is a spectacle for kids. Did have have I talked about? If I've talked about this ad nauseum, tell me to shut up because it's 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 amazing. Do you have big <laughs> no, Halloween? Not at all. Do you do you have a big Halloween deal at your, uh, at uh, Stark Mountain? Um, well, what we do is we live in a, a pretty small town, and so we take the boys to Center Point, where my mom and dad live, and then that's where my sister and her husband. And they, they live there also. And so then the boy and trick or treat with their little cousin, Jordan. Mm-hmm. And they, they've got lots of really new housing developments there. And th- that's where they go to school also. We open and roll them in Center Point. Okay. Um, and so we go up there and go trick or treat. And so we're actually not even home during Halloween. But yeah. But yeah, I, I have so much fun watching the boys do that. And then. Um, yeah, last year was the first year that Jordan was old, old enough to actually walk around and it was so cute <laughs> watching right? Aiden be the ringleader. Last year, Aiden was dressed as Batman and every single Harley Quinn he saw, he yelled at them in the Batman voice. Hey, you're here. Like, Harley uh. Quinn, I will get you. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> there he is. That is hilarious. Did, okay, now when you were little, do you remember the costumes we had when you were little? Oh, let's see. I know I was a scarecrow one year, a goat one year. I had a really awesome Ninja Turtle costume okay, one year. Do you remember they came in a box? It was about a foot by, you know, it was a 12 inch square box, about six inches deep. And you had a poncho and a plastic mask. Yeah, a shitty plastic mask. And they did this on the Venture Brothers, but. You'd had a mouthpiece, <laughs> and if you were Batman, like I was Batman one year, you put that mask on, it was a plastic piece of some shell that went on your face, and a rubber band that went on her head, mm-hmm. and then two eye holes, and, and a mouthpiece, and you couldn't help yourself. You'd always try to stick your tongue through the little mouthpiece, and you would slice open your tongue. <laughs> That's on what that I was plastic. just gonna say. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yo, I You're remember like, those, dude. Oh, oh god, dude, god awful, god fucking awful. Now you know, you're, I'm sure your son just looks just like Batman. <laughs> and so that that's amazing. Great. How many kids are in that neighborhood? You get, is it pretty pretty busy? It was huge last year. I couldn't believe how many kids we saw. Really going oh, through that. It, it was pretty awesome. And there was some some really good displays that we walked past and everything. It was fun. Oh man, I yeah, I, like I think I've talked about this before, but if you haven't heard this before, I mean, Halloween's my thing, and I don't know why. I and honestly, I had so much fun at C two E two on Con. I just like dressing up and being somebody different. Um, but I also like to get scared. Um, and being scared is a hell of a lot of fun for me. I, I just love it. So you're mixing all that stuff together, uh, and it was one of those things. Like I, I said, I mentioned. I had a couple questions I asked people when they were dating. Like, do you have cats? Yes. Okay. Uh, I guess can't be with you. Uh, one of the other ones, like, do you like Halloween? Like, Lynn was like, oh, I love Halloween. I'm like, oh, you and I are going to get along real, 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 real well, right? So, um, my, my neighborhood is now advertised as the place to go trick or treat in all of Southwest Florida. So I will try to take video of it, but about six o'clock on Tuesday, 
um, the, the street will be littered with automobiles. Um, we got some empty lots. People are going to park in the empty lots. There's an elementary school down the street. Um, my neighbors have all decked out their houses. I've been decked out. I'm not fully 110% out yet. All my big shit is still in the garage because I don't want anybody stealing it. Right? So I've got a, I've got a coffin. Yes, I have a coffin in my garage. It's just a coffin I bought. That's awesome. I'm, I'm a sick motherfucker. <laughs> I've got this like three foot skull, right? And it's got blinky eyes and shit. That's in the garage. Um, I do. Do you know what a hollow illusion is? No. Hollow illusion is there's this company called Atmosphere. Uh, they're called Atmos FX because they do. More than Halloween, but they used to be called Atmosphere FX. And basically, what you do is you get this like um, you can buy their screen. You go to a, a fabric store and you can get um, not mosquito netting. Mosquito netting isn't very good, but some kind of translucent um, fabric, like you know whatever they make bridesmaids' dresses out of and shit, like scrim kind of stuff, right? You catch them laying down, uh-huh. and you get you get a projector, okay, and these. Um, films animated films so uh uh and i've got a whole bunch of different ones um so i'll set up a graveyard and i've got an archway and i've got a scrim on the archway and then behind the scrim, um actually this year i'm going to put it in front hidden inside a tombstone so i make this little tombstone and i hide the projector in it and then you project on the scrim these movies of like ghosts flying by and singing songs and whatnot in at nighttime it looks fucking real. Like, you know, like, whoa, holy crap. This, and they do the same kind. Well, they do uh, the the Haunted Mansion ride at Disney is all mirrors. Uh, that's a mirror trick. But in some of the places they do, they do that, where it's basically just a translucent material that they've shown sign of some kind of projection on. So I've got I've got uh, I've got some of those. I've got the one the my favorite one that the kid is the uh, singing pumpkins. So basically it's animation of just the eyes nose and mouth of these pumpkins and they're singing so i have it on a speaker and whatnot then you shine them on uh fake pumpkins and it looks like the pumpkins are singing to you which is that's awesome oh so fucking cool and so i've got that that i've done every year and everybody's like holy shit how'd you do that and i show them how they did that um last year i had i think i mentioned this but we've got a year-round costume job called the red-headed witches and I'm in there often, and one of the ladies runs the shop, came to my house, and at the end of the night, she walks up to me, and she goes, you win Halloween. I'm like, what? You win Halloween? I'm like, what do you mean? This is the best fucking house I've seen all night, and I've been all around this town. I've been all around this neighborhood. This is great. Can you show me how you, you know, she introduced herself, and then she goes, can you show me how you did this? And I showed her. She gave me her card and everything, and we were supposed to do video clips for him from an advertising perspective, never got around to it, but I was like super stoked. Uh, that happened, but the, um, I've got a big giant pumpkin. I got a pumpkin about, about, oh my gosh, about nine feet tall. It's in my front yard right now. Some inflatable spiders that are cool. But the thing that I'm really impressed with, I'm really stoked this year is I've got this, uh, it's called a, uh, uh, it's called a burning pumpkin dude. So, um, you know, those like, can, um, imagine, um, you've seen like the scarecrows with the big pumpkin head, right? Yeah, yeah. This animated scarecrow with a pumpkin head, but its chest is open up, and there is a 
<laughs> it's attached to I've never done this. It's attached to a uh smoke machine and and it and it lights up on fire and then the smoke comes out and you know the head moves and the arms go up and down and it says some really terrifying things. And I'm hoping to, you know, you know, have at least three or four kids shit their pants with it. I can't wait. <laughs> I normally would have I and I've learned my lesson last year. I took Halloween off. Actually, no, I'm sorry. Last year was on a weekend, so I didn't need to. But it took all fucking day to set up my yard. And so now I'm like, I'm going to set up all my animatronic stuff. I've got some witches. I've got that. I've got a ghoul. I've got all this stuff. I'm going to set that up in my garage, have it ready. i got my friend James and Jessica coming over at noon, and we're going to set the whole thing up. My Halloween's I'll do the night before, so I'll make sure that those work. I'm just like, we had 800 to 1,000 kids last year. Holy I've got enough shit. candy for a thousand. I've got a. I've got enough candy for a thousand kids uh, this year, and I'll probably run out. The only th- and then Lynn and I'll dress up, and uh, you saw my costume. Lynn's uh, Lynn's a sassy scarecrow, an evil scary one that Maribel <laughs> put together. You saw that, right? Yes, it looked awesome. This guy, yeah, and I, I've got some stuff I put on my little cobwebs on it and shit. Yeah, it looks amazing. I, I can't wait to scare the bejesus. And she and I do that every year. Like she, she our first year, um, she was a sexy vampire and I was a scary one. And then she was little Bo Peep and I was the big bad wolf, right? And so that was cool. And yeah, so this year, um, oh, she was Mrs. Frankenstein. She's Frank, Bride of Frankenstein, but a sexy one last year. And I was this really icky looking Frankenstein. Now this year, she's a sexy scarecrow and I'm going to be a, nasty scarecrow and that'll be a lot of work but a lot of fun and i totally get into it it's kind of like when i'm in minnesota we had like three kids halloween night when i lived with uh, my ex sucked right and you would put the i got to the point where i just fuck it i'm gonna put a bowl of candy out on the on the doorstep totally bummed out because i can't share this with anybody because we lived in a in a townhouse and there were nothing but old people around us even older than me and uh so i would go out to see a scary movie by myself and uh come back and all the candy was gone because the first kid that sees that bowl of candy even though it says take one they take the whole thing right that's how it works yeah so yeah but that was i'm totally totally stoked for it it'd be really really awesome you know i want to do one year i want to Oh God! I would need a lot of people. Maybe the army can help me out. But I've because uh, I've got a nice sized yard. I know I joke people stay the fuck out of my yard. But on Halloween, because I've got all the foliage and stuff, I would love just kind of like have a little. Hey kids, in order to get your candy, you got to take you know you got to go on the haunted trike track behind the house, go in the yard and have a couple you know have kind of like this, put all the stuff in the backyard and and scare the kids that way. Kind of do a little haunted yard thing and you know what i want to do and i've done this i haven't done it but i uh one year i I was on a scare tactics team many many years ago when i was in high school for a nature center and i've got a canal in my yard right so i live on a canal and i got a nice dock and i would love are you ready for this i would love to like uh just dress up like the creature from the black and just kind of hang out by my dock and have kids part of the deal. The kids come down to the dock and then just ah, jump right out. Wow. Yeah. I'd scare the shit out of them. 
Just scare the living bejesus out of them. It'd be great. People, oh, I wouldn't want to get in that canal. There are alligators in it. Um, there's an I see an alligator there once every two years, and that's what I was asking you: is if there were gators in there? Oh, dude, I used to say I don't have any gators until um, we were out, I was with Austin. We were playing video games, and Lynn comes running in and goes, "Oh my god, you got to come outside!" We ran out, and there he was. Did you ever see an alligator uh, for real, Joe? Yep, well, in the zoo, but yeah. But not in the wild. You've never seen one in the wild, right? <laughs> never seen one in my backyard. <laughs> what was in the... Okay, so one, you have to understand, I've got a four-foot seawall, so that, that dude is not getting in my yard, okay? He's not. Um, he's not even going to get up on my dock, because it's a good drop, about a foot and a half drop into the... You know, he'd have to be super alligator to jump up on. I'm, I'm not worried about that. If it, if that happens, I'm going to... Good for you. Yeah, you win. I'm calling the <laughs> calling the you know the alligator police and have you drug away, right? Oh, no shit. <laughs> but, dude, you know, it's cool as hell, but it's scarier than shit because these guys, they just... They know that they've been around for millions of years and that uh, no one's going to fuck with them. No. And, uh, it's you know, his head and his nose are sticking out and, you know, just the top of his body. And he's swimming really slow. Just, mm-hmm. I'm an alligator. That's right. Don't fuck with me. I mean, basically, that's what he was saying is, you know, if he could talk, that's what he was saying. Hello, I'm an alligator. Don't fuck with me. I'll fuck you up. And he just hung out there for, oh, my God, it, it was a long time. How big was it? Months. Oh, God, you want to know. Uh, eight feet minimum. I'm oh. thinking the thing was just huge. Dude, that's terrifying. That's one of the things it, I love about living in Iowa is that there's very little things around here that can eat me unless I walk up and I'm just stuck with a broken leg or like something horrible like that, you know? There's he's not. I, I, I get you. I get you. But that's, that's I don't want to put it. There's this place in Florida is a state of plus and minuses, right? Mm-hmm. So, hey, um, it's sunny all year, but it gets really fucking humid in the summer, and uh, you get a hurricane every once in a while, which we could talk about. But, uh, yeah. Dude, those we were on those satellite images of that. I Of course, I forget the name of it, but that one that was wider. Irma. Irma, wider Irma. than the whole fucking state. I mean, my wife was just glued to the Weather Channel. For like those like three days or something. Oh like yeah, that. oh yeah. So were we? Yeah. So I mean, that was that was my first hurricane. Yay. Uh, my boss was so funny. He's calling me up. Hey man, uh, why don't you come up to Tennessee and hang with me? We'll take care of you there. I'm like, you know, we're gonna be okay. Because at first, so here's what pisses me off. You've got the American model and you got the European model. And the American models all had Irma kind of going off the East Coast, right? Right up Miami. And we were going to get wind and rain. And I'm like, yeah, it's okay. But the European model had right in my backyard. And it turned out that the European model, which was the same uh, for Harvey, was 100% dead on, right? So if that's the case, why the fuck are we playing around with any other model but that one? I, I don't get it. Make sure so, Right? Because I could have used a couple extra days to get the hell out of town. You know what I'm saying? Because we woke up 
Friday morning and I had a plan. So we had three dogs uh, and we talked about this, but Lynn's like, I'm, I'm only going to get shots for two of them because the third one is too old. And if he dies, I'm okay with this. And then, but the problem is if your dogs don't have shots, you can't board them anywhere, right? Yeah. And who's going to babysit my dogs? No one. Oh, can't take them on it. Well, it could take them on a plane. You know how much it is to take a dog on a plane round trip? Mm, how much? Two fifty per dog. Whoa. Two fifty per dog. I'm like, I okay, so I'm gonna get on a plane and get the hell out of here. So I'm like, all right, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go to uh, a hurricane rated hotel five miles down the road. Okay. And exactly where it is. Um they have generators, so if they lose power, we'll have enough power to at least charge our phones. And then we'll leave the dogs in the house. And when the hurricane blows over, even, you know, even if I couldn't drive to my house, I could walk to my house and check on the dogs. Everything's be great. Right. But I didn't think about was this thing called storm surge, which I had fucking never heard of. And, uh, I get a, we call over there Friday morning and my wife has been here 20 years and she's flipping out. Like this is a category five hurricane is going to hit the state of Florida. We are fucked. I'm like, Really? Because we are totally fucked. And I'm like, okay, call the hotel. We're going to be fine. Honey. Everything's going to be fine. You know, Pollyanna Shooty, everything's going to be fine. So she calls up the hotel. They just closed the hotel because they're evacuating the hotel. We'll get a refund. We are fucked. We got to go. She starts crying. Well, no one wants to see their wife cry. Her mom is up in um, Tallahassee. So we just, and by that time, the governor of, uh, Governor Scott did a great job with the hurricane. He's like, Yep, if you run a hotel, you have to take dogs. It's not right for people to make that choice, right? Yeah, I'm just dogs are family. Bye, Fido. I hope you make it through the hurricane, <laughs> <laughs> right? So we did, it took, oh my gosh, 13 hours. I think I ranted about, man, we stopped in Ocala, and these kids are running down the street without their shirts on, yelling, bring on the hurricane. I'm like, what the fuck are we doing? But... uh once he got up there, we couldn't stop watching the hurricane on TV. And all my friends were like, we're all watching the hurricane. And um, on Saturday, midday Saturday, and it's going to hit Sunday, right? It, 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 we got so lucky. It got, it went, I don't know, about 30 miles north of my house. I mean, it was on direct path to my house. It went 30 miles north of my house, and that made all the difference, right? But I told Lynn, we are not going to watch the Weather Channel anymore. But, but, but we're not going to watch it anymore. <laughs> we're going to watch, I don't know, something other than this because it was depressing, right? I'm in a hotel with three dogs in Tallahassee, Florida, watching the weathermen tell me that I may not have a house when I come home. And, and that, that was really weird because, you know, this is the first house I bought by myself. So I'm like, you know, I really love my house and I was really afraid of losing it. And God bless Jordan. You know, like, he's like, you're going to be okay. And I was like flipping out. I'm like, man, I might lose my house. And he said some really nice things to me, which is cool. And I know I posted pictures when we finally got back home. Um, and that was a, that was really weird too. Cause there was like no gas. So how do you get home? And people are like, don't, and we left at four 30 in the morning when it was all, we, uh, I think it was Tuesday morning and there's an app called gas buddy. And it was telling us where the gas stations had gas and power. Cause you had, you have both gas mm -hmm. and, 
And I stopped at every gas station along 75 that I could that I knew had gas and power. And I, I got my SUV topped off. But you pull into the house and we're like, okay, let's go. Let's see how bad the damage was. And in hindsight, really wasn't that big of a deal. But have you ever had any, anybody break into your house or break into your car? My mom and dad's cabin got broken into when I was in high school or just out of high school. And I was the first one to go out there and realize that it got broken into. It's a horrible feeling. Yeah. I felt that same way. Like I've had my, I had a, I had my car. Broken too. I used to, at one point in time when I was a kid, when I was in college, I had a really nice car and not, not a really nice car, but I had a really nice stereo. Right. So cars are basically stereos with wheels. Right. Oh. The subwoofer and all that other garbage in the, and then these kids, broken in my car stole my sub stole my radio stole my cd player and i was like yeah this last nice stereo i'm putting in a car right but i felt the same way coming to my house it's like you know mother nature irma just came in and pissed all over my yard i was hit off you know i i didn't deserve this but again hindsight 2020 i i have a roof on my uh, on our house which is good my neighbor across the street and a lot of people down the street you know, they got the blue tarps on your roof. That means you got roof damage. It's not good. So my house came out pretty good. And, you know, for the most part, you know, it was a couple of days of cleanup. My my boss was so great. Uh, we were supposed to have a meeting that day. I came home. I called my name. is Chris. I said, Chris? He goes, yeah. I'm going to take the rest of the day off, dude. He goes, you just get home? I said, yep. How's the damage? Um, It's okay. I'm just not feeling real good about myself right now. <laughs> <laughs> He goes, you take whatever time you need. So I took two days off. That was great. Here's the other thing, too. So, like, they still haven't gotten rid of all of the, the debris. So I'm on a busier street, right? Um, so they get my debris, and we talked a little bit about that. You know where they put it? Hmm. There's an empty lot, a couple blocks. No, like four empty lots, a couple blocks from my house. Um because I went down there and I couldn't believe what I saw. There's a mountain of fallen trees in like four lots full of what should be houses that haven't been developed yet. And it's got to be at least 30 feet tall of dead trees. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. I, I mean, I drove by and went, what the fuck? And I was talking to somebody. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, they, they're going to mulch that. And I'm like, then what? Oh, then they're going to fill it up again. So it may be next year before uh, all that shit is gone. You know what I'm saying? Oh, it's just got to so- be just a giant condominium for rats. Oh, tell me about it. Uh, rats and termites. Yeah. Rats, termites, and cockroaches. Cockroaches everywhere. Oh, my gosh. They love that shit. We had a burn pile. Um, so <laughs> this is what we did. So when we were getting rid of all the... Uh, <laughs> We get rid of all the um, crap in my backyard. Lynn is like, she was awesome. She First of all, I lost a bird of paradise, which is just beautiful in my yard. I loved it. I'm like, oh, I love this tree. Lost three out of four of those st- stalks. It's like, you know, this big giant shrub thing. And uh, I go, yeah, I guess to go down. She goes, good. I hated that fucking tree. It was great. <laughs> I'm like, oh, <laughs> damn it. So we, we took that and a bunch of other stuff. And I'm like, well, we're cutting everything up. So Lynn's like, let's get rid of this brush pile because it's just a, like you said, condo for rats. And I'm like, okay. 
So we move that. I mean, who's going to know the city's? I mean, the city picks up my debris anyway. It's part of what I pay the city for. So we hauled that away. That was, dude, oh my God, that was so dumb. To, to, and a lot of that had been there for years. This brush had been there for years, and it was just riddled with cockroaches. You know, like Lynn is just screaming in the backyard, like, oh, my God, oh, my God. So I'm like, just go in the house, take a shower, I'll take care of it. And I took care of it. But now it looks really nice. But, yeah, I tell you, um, here's the funny thing. You know, you saw pictures of Key West, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They had their annual Fantasy Fest last weekend. They didn't let Irma shut down that Fantasy Fest thing, Halloween street party. Um, and it's insane. Like, you would love it. Um, I, I I probably would enjoy it too, but half the people that are in the parade are, are naked. Like, women what? just show up and paint their tits different colors and walk down the street. And that, huh? That's Key West during Fantasy Fest. And they're all high as shit. They're all just whacked <laughs> out on everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they had Fantasy Fest, even though they, you know, their their whole town has been literally destroyed. Um but the one thing I'm going to say about all this, uh, and they're, you know, they're still watching one more. There's one more down in the Gulf of Mexico they get their eyes on. I don't think anything's going to happen with it. But how could, you, how could you not look at the fucked up weather this year? I mean, we had, let's see, we had Harvey. We had Irma. Um, what hit um, Puerto Rico? Um, I can't remember the name. But Puerto Rico got through, right? Uh, yeah, they're still in bad shape. And you've got massive wildfires in California, right? How can you sit anywhere and not go, hmm, yeah, I don't think we've got a global warming problem at all. No, no it's, a, it's a Chinese hoax. Well. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, I'm old enough to know that I need to listen. So I'm a, when the little voice inside my head starts talking to me, right? So, and I believe it's, you know, God or the Holy Spirit. But when I get that little nudge from, from you know, the from me, it says, you probably should think about these things. I'm old enough to know I should listen to that. Right, I, I, I should listen to what's going on. I should listen to my body when it's hurting. I should listen to the little voice in me saying, "Don't send a hundred emails to this optometrist telling her that she's a bitch." Right? Yeah. How, how do you not listen to Mother Nature when Mother Nature is saying, "You, you need to stop what you're doing right now"? And I think it's this is a warning shot. You know what I'm saying? This is a this is a warning shot. And I love where I live. I don't want to move. But if we have a summer like this, I'm going to have to start thinking about moving because I, I don't want to go through this all the time. And I, yeah. get, I get that, you know, we're a problem. So the United States, China's like the big culprits, China. Oh, they, yeah. They could give a shit. They don't care. They don't fucking care. No, and they just got so many more people than us, and they've got so much more industry that's burning coal and shit over there. And if they're not going to sign on to these global treaties for trying to cut down, then... What good are they? Exactly. 
Right. I mean, you really need these densely populated countries to be the ones to get on board with it. Because, yeah, America's a bit of a big swinging dick, but if you're just by population, we, we don't even have a billion people here. And there's no. like multi-billion people between China and India. And it's yeah. it's a big complex problem. And when you get these people that are at the top, you know, these like one percenters, like the true one percenters, and you're like saying, I need you to do things a little bit differently. It's going to cut into your bottom line a little bit, but ultimately we're going to leave a better world for our children's children. How many of those people give a fuck? So it's, Not many. No, it's, yeah. and so it's tough. We're, we're faced with a very tough situation right now. And the, the, the global, you know, the global climate change deniers, the facts and studies that they point to. And it's like, dude, you can kind of look up and see where the money came to fund those studies. And then when you get 90% of the scientists saying, hey, this is happening, and the 1% that are disagreeing with them are paid off by big oil, there's a little bit of a problem there. And it's turned into a political football. And so now we got people that no matter what, they just want to support their fucking team. And if their team says global warming is not real climate change is not real then they're going to argue about it till they're blue in the face even though they don't have any of the facts so it's a fucked up world right now dude you've got to i I mean i just i'm sorry you you you've got to look out and listen to what's going on i mean you temperature rising in the pacific ocean is causing hurricanes duh Right? I mean, I don't need to be be a meteorologist. That's how they form. The the warmer the water is, the more likely that you're going to get these depressions, and that's what's going to cause this. Yeah, the more powerful they'll become. And and people are going to fucking die. Right? So I don't know how you sit anywhere and just pretend like it's not happening. You know, unless I'm not the one that's going to die, so I I don't care. That goes, again, a roll boils back up in this whole idea about character. I, I pray God, I do, I, I pray to God that somebody somewhere um, begins to take notice on some of the stuff and does something about it. And I, you know, I don't know, maybe we could geostorm it, man. We'll make that real. <laughs> we'll put satellites up there, we'll control the weather, we could do it. Yeah. Well, who, who knows what the future holds? I mean, because right now, you know, the political landscape in America is really a farce with what's going on. And so I really hope that that wakes up a lot of people and we do get some changes. Because so, I think I think a lot of people who voted for Trump that are now seeing this shit and like being like, well, this isn't anything what he said he was doing the campaign trail. I think you got a lot of dissatisfied people who voted for him. But then you also get a lot of those rabid supporters that no matter what, I mean, quite honestly, his campaign should have stopped at him mocking, you know, retarded people and the whole grab them by the pussy thing. And it's like, and he still fucking got in. Like, holy shit. Like, how bad did the DNC miscalculate how much people fucking hated Hillary Clinton? (laughs) It is pretty bad. What a fucked up only last time, dude. What a fucking mess. But, you know, part of it, though, is just this whole um dnc against bernie thing and i do believe that you know the misinformation spread by other countries around that on the internet because if you read it on the internet it must be true right yeah um played a big part in that i will happily admit that i buried johnson and i sleep at night so there it is yeah he had no he had no chance of winning 
But if I listen to what he had to say, I'm like, yeah, you're pretty, you're pretty medium of the road. I, I dig you. All right. Uh, there it is. I will tell you that, you know, I'm down in Trump country. I'm down in, uh, you know, um, stars and bars in the back of pickup trucks. Right. So, I mean, that's, that's real down here. That, that shit is fucking real. And, you know, I think a lot of you with, you know, as I talk to people after the fact, I think a lot of it had to do with just, you know, this is, I mean, I think, it, who was it? Um, Roger, Roger was not, who's the director? What's his name? Roger. Blah, blah, Roger blah, blah, Waters? No, the Roger, Roger Moore was good. <laughs> no, yeah, Roger Waters, Pink Floyd guy. <laughs> Roger Moore was James Bond. Uh, Roger Ebert's dead. I met him before he got all <laughs> effed up. Um, the director guy, the big fat director guy, what's his name? He did, um, Michael Moore. That's him. Thank you. (laughs) Roger. We figured it out. (laughs) I'm old. All right. That was awesome. He said, did you hear what he had to say before the election? He predicted it. He said that the, um, that, uh, these states like Ohio and Florida and where, um, middle America and uh, whatnot is just getting pooped on and not listened to by, they really felt disenfranchised by, by our government that they, that their vote for Mr. Trump was one of fuck you. Yes. And it was going to be the biggest fuck you to the government ever. I think down here for us, it was, I, I know my wife was, I don't know who she voted for. I, I, I know she voted, and that's great. Whoever she voted for is fantastic. That's cool. She knew Trump was going to win, and I said, why? She goes, because everybody down here voted because of health care. Because Obamacare was so bad that that's what they voted for. They, you know, their vote for Donald Trump was a vote for repeal for health care. That's great, but we don't have a solution for that, right? So there's no solution for that. You know, and Lynn's worked in healthcare for a long time, which is why she wanted to continue working there. And I, I will tell you that, man, our there's so much fraud in healthcare, it's pretty funny. You know? Um, so something needs to be fixed about it. Uh, I don't have an answer for it. Um, I'm I'm lucky I have a company where I've got a decent healthcare plan. So I'm I'm good. My my family and I are good. If I had to go out on my own, I'd be fucked. You know oh, what I'm yeah. saying? If it if it, it weren't for the fact my wife has awesome insurance for her job, our fa- my family would be in in dire I, straits. I, I I'm gonna stay with the company I'm at because I have good people there and I've got decent decent healthcare. So yeah, no I I don't know man I I I don't know, but we are long overdue for uh for a third party that actually is viable. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. This two-party system is fucked. It's it's totally it's, fucked. It's antiquated. It's it, it's it's divided the country down the middle because it, it's it, for me. I truly believe that it comes down to a team mentality. They they don't matter. It doesn't matter who they're. It doesn't matter what the name is. It matters what color they are. What you know, if it's red or blue. If there's a D or an R behind their name, and it's. <sighs> It's fucked. It's so fucked. And it's just so, so, there's so much deadlock in Washington where people are being intractable children. And it's like, do you people not realize what a compromise is? A compromise, if you're willing to compromise, it means you're willing to give up something that's important to you. And that other side is willing to give up something that's important to them. At the end of the day, we're going to do something that's great for the American people. Nobody wants to do that. 
because they can't piss off the people at home because all they want is to get reelected. So I can have a pension and make a lot of money. Do you, do you remember, do you ever hear the story of George Washington uh, when he stepped down after his second term? Um, go ahead. Uh, so I, I heard this story when I was up in Philadelphia. If you take the tour, you will hear this story. It's a great story. Um, you know, our founding fathers were amazing people. They had good hearts. And if they were around today, they'd be like, fuck this shit. And they'd be moving to Bali, Bali or wherever. So um, George Washington served two year, two terms as president of the United States. And they wanted him to run again. And he sat, him, sat up in front of Congress and he made the speech. And essentially he said, uh, today I step down as your leader and I will sit down amongst you as someone you serve because I will not uh, allow myself to be your sovereign king. So what we had escaped from founding this uh, land that we, we love called America was, you know, tyranny under, under rule of a single individual without representation. And one of the things that was really all of them is that they maintained that idea of making sure that we had equal voice, making sure that not one individual got to be more powerful than the other. And, you know, the thing that's fucked up here is that for the most part, you know, we, we have – a great need for terms. You know, these jobs were never meant to be permanent. And it is an honor. It is an honor to serve. When I was, uh, I'll tell you a quick story. I was when, in, when I was in high school, I was a page for the Minnesota representatives. And what pages do is they sit up in the front. If you watch C-SPAN, you could see them. Um, normally they're college or high school kids and they sit up front. Um, they get out of school for a bit and the people, the reps all have a little uh, they have a little button on their desk. In the back of the room is a sergeant of arms, and the sergeant of arms controls who's coming in and who's going out. No one gets in or goes out without going through the sergeant of arms. Sergeant of arms also runs the uh, the pages. So if uh, if a representative hit a button, okay, then um, a little light in the back of the room would go up where they're, uh, where they were seated. And then one of the pages would have to get up if I wasn't doing anything and I was paying attention, by the way, it was an honor and I was totally excited and you would get up, you'd run over to the desk and you'd be really quiet about it. And you go, yes, uh, yes, representative Johnson. And he would hand you money. Normally this is what they go. Could you get me a diet Coke? Right. Okay. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes they would go, uh, could you send a message by the way, they probably don't do this anymore. I'm sure they text each other. But back then it was like, I, I one, one representative handed me a note. He goes, could you go uh, hand this uh, message off to Representative uh, 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 Smith over there? Um, we have a bet on who's going to uh, uh, look like the biggest idiot today, and I think I'm going to win. I swear to God that is exactly what he told me when I handed <laughs> his note off. So remember back in the high school days, he used to hand notes off, so I hand his note off. But I remember, I just think remember this uh, representative gave me five bucks. Go, go get, um, go get me a Diet Coke. Okay, great. So in the, I'm sure they're not here anymore, but in the vestibule in the House of Representatives at the state of Minnesota, there was a concession stand and it was run by a couple who were legally blind. Okay. That's cool as shit. They're legally blind boys, right? And they would make popcorn and they would get Coke and they had a whole system of, you know, who would, 
uh, if you gave him money and what, you know, putting the money away and everything. And it was so cool to see these people work really hard to uh, provide nourishment for terms to, you know, our state representatives. How cool is that? Standing in line, going to get a Diet Coke. In front of me, I shit you not, is a representative and a, um, oh, shoot, shoot. Who are those people that come and try to sway influence? What are they called again? I forget. Lobbyists. Lobbyists. Thank you very much. Lobbyists. And I know he's a lobbyist because I've seen him around, but he's not allowed in the chamber, right? Because the sergeant at arms is keeping him out. And um, lobbyist gets up front, right? They order a hot dog or whatever. Cool. Um, the guy, legally blind, gets him his stuff, right? And he hands him the money, and he goes, yeah, that's a 20. And I look at him. It was a 10. Oh. I gave him the eyes like, you fucker, right? And he looked at me like, you better not say a fucking thing, kid. And he walked away. And I was so disheartened. And I remember I went and I told, told the sergeant of arms about it afterwards. I just, I, I was just crushed. I was absolutely fucking crushed. I couldn't believe that anybody would take advantage of people like this. Uh, how am I supposed to prove it? I'm just a 17-year-old kid in, in our government. And uh, she goes, give me his, you know, give me, tell me like, and I'll keep my eye out for him. I don't know if she ever caught him again, but I, oh my God. So, you know, at a baseline level, shit like that is going on. All over. I had a great experience. Um, uh, I, I met a girlfriend there. I had a girlfriend from it for a while. That was fun. Um, and there are good people there. Uh, there's a guy, Representative Jim Ramstead, who also stepped down after he served in the U.S. Um, he served in the um, Minnesota Senate for four years. No, excuse me, eight years. And then he went to the U.S. Senate for about... He served about two, maybe three terms. Yeah, shut up. Uh, if you didn't hear my phone, just went off. And so, uh, <laughs> but he stepped down after three terms. Um, and they asked him why. He said, I want to do some things for my family. And I was never meant to serve here long term. So we, you know, we need term limits, but the fuckers who run the place don't want to give up term limits, right? So. Which 22 is the people that need policed are the very people that would have to write the law to police themselves. And that's not going to happen. You're no, not going to get not, the yeah. legislature to write frick laws saying that they can only serve two terms. You're not going to no. get them to write legislation saying you don't get a pension anymore. They don't fucking need a pension. <laughs> this shit makes my blood boil, dude. Like I, I could, I could go off on this shit for a long time. Well, uh, there you go. I'm, uh, you, you're waking up. I'm like, oh, shoot, you stop talking about. You talking about this? I'm in. <laughs> I'm in now. Now I'm awake. I've been with you a hundred percent, man. <laughs> he, he, uh, we need a third party, and we need. I don't know. And then the, I, okay, honestly, do not seek out the news. I don't. I don't watch. Do I. Do I. I don't watch network news because it's just. Hey, today, today we're going to scare you with this. And I'm like, I don't need to be. It used to be that they would just try to, oh, my gosh, it used to be they'd try to sensationalize the news. And now it's all like, I just scare you. Ooh, you know, Kim Jong-il is going to fly a nuke over your house. You better watch out. So, um, oh, by the way, did you see that South Park where um, I think it was Tweak? Yeah, it was Tweak. You know, did you watch South Park? I haven't caught I haven't any caught. of the newer ones. So you know who Tweak is, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He's all he gets up and he's all like um worried that 
the that uh, North Korea is going to nuke the United States. He's totally been out about it, right? You know, we should all be afraid that that's going to happen. We we all know that they don't have a nuke that they could hit us with an ICBM with, right? So that that's silly. Um, there's still something we should be in our eyes on, but I don't think that's going to happen. At any rate, <laughs> in the in the show, Kim Jong Il flies a uh, a nuclear war you know missile over Tweak's house. It was really funny. <laughs> I thought it was funny. I thought it just it's just it's just classic. At any rate, what am I why am I talking about South Park? I forgot. Um I don't look at those kind of news stories anymore. All they're really trying to do is scare us. Um but there's that thing on November fourth. Did you read did you hear about this? I can't remember what it's called. Where they're supposed to that the people who hate our president are gonna that they're gonna cause race riots. What? What? Yeah. Yeah, it's, I, I'll have to look it up. Um, but basically, there's a group of people who who uh, are anti-Trump. I'm sure there are a lot of groups that are anti-Trump, and they're they're going to start riots all over. Demonstrations that they hope will turn into riots all over the United States, and they're going to make a point on November fourth. Wow. Yeah, because that's yeah, the way that's... to get shit done. What the? That's so fucking stupid of people. I don't think it's – Snopes, I think, dis, disproved it. But I had a friend of mine who's a big Trump guy and he was on Facebook and he popped into my feed. Morant popped into my feed and he goes, do you think this is going to happen? I had to go look it up. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Really? <sighs> you know, Mar- you love him or hate him. Um, most people love him. You know, Martin Luther King in the, um, in the 1960s helped organize the rally – that really helped to shape some of the future for our country. And not, I shouldn't, I'm sure that there might have been a few small incidents of violence, but for the most part, it was peaceful. And those are things that, as a kid, I grew up listening to and learning about and writing papers on and aspiring to be. And today, I don't. I shouldn't say I, don't. I think we're capable of it. I, I would love to see millions of people march on Washington and peacefully demonstrate how fucked up everything is. And I don't know if anybody would necessarily listen, but I do. I want to believe in my heart of hearts that we're capable of it versus the bullshit that we see today. And it's gotten so scary. It's like, again, I'm, I live in Florida, so it's a redneck state. Um, which is good and bad. I was on the road when the tragedy occurred in, uh, Las Vegas, right? Mm -hmm. And that was one of those moments where you couldn't avoid the news, right? So everybody heard about it. Remember where I was, yada, 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 right? And I shit you not. I almost ranted about it, but I chose not to, um, Somebody that exact day, I'm on a I'm on a Facebook group called the Cape Coral Garage Sale, and it's connected to Cape Coral, Fort Myers, Naples, Bonita Springs. You got to sell something. You can either go to place on Facebook or you can be in this group. And then, hey, uh, if I want to buy something from you, I, I I can look you up on Facebook, and and then I kind of have you know it's better than Craigslist. I I know who you are, hopefully. Uh, I know what you look like, hopefully. Um, I can see who your friends are. You know, it, it, it feels safer. It probably isn't, but it feels safer. 
some jackhole that same day threw up his AR-15 automatic rifle in case for sale to anybody that wanted it for $800. No fucking background checks. Just meet me in the McDonald's parking lot with your $800 and I will give you an automatic AR-15 and you can have fun with it and you can go kill others or whatever the fuck you want to in the swamps and the bayous here in Florida. And uh, I, I nearly lost my shit. You know what I'm saying? As long as we've got people that are willing to do stupid fucking shit like that, um, I don't care how many gun control laws you want to pass. It's not going to solve the problem because somebody's going to be able to find something, do something terrible with it. Um, and I'm still at a loss for for the wise. I don't know if you figured that out. I'll shut up and let you respond. You didn't even <laughs> respond. Did I? I totally fucking shocked you. Holy crap! Well, or maybe no. You like it. I, I was I was oh, I, I was thinking. Um, All right. No, I I totally agree. I don't think gun control laws work because gun control laws. It would it in a perfect world, everybody would follow the rule of the law, right? And so a gun control law would take care of the problem. However, you have a large contingent of criminals and people who don't give a fuck about the law that have guns, they're going to keep their guns. And so then all of a sudden you've got people that were good law-abiding citizens that were responsible gun owners that are now following these restrictive laws and it's it's just going to turn into a place where all the criminals are the ones that own the criminals are the ones that have the guns. And if you yep. want to be a responsible citizen and have a gun to be able to protect yourself, you're just fucked. And at one point in time in my life, I had a concealed carry permit, and I carried I carried a Glock nine millimeter with everywhere I went with me. And I read enough case studies that I learned that even if I was involved in a shooting where I got cleared of any criminal charges, say the police said this was a this was a good shooting, we're not going to press any charges against you. You're free to go. However. The family of the shitbag that you shot, they're free to take you to civil court. And if you win that case, you're still on the line for you know your legal fees and whatnot. Uh, your name's going to get drugged through the muck in the papers because there's yep. no such thing as heroes anymore in this day and age with guns. And so I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm not. I'm not caring anymore. It's so I don't know. I'm 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 liberal in every way except for gun rights. Because you, I mean, look at Chicago. Chicago has the most cons- uh, restrictive gun rights in the fucking nation, and it's also the murder capital of the nation. Just because you fucking sign up, I I see this on businesses all the time. Just because you have a sign up on the door that says "No guns allowed on these premises," that doesn't fucking mean you can take that sign and stick it in your ass. If somebody has a concealed carry. The whole point of that concealed carry is it's concealed. You're not going to see it. So if that person goes in and out that door, ignores your little star, it doesn't matter. They had a gun with them the entire time. Uh, I don't, God, fucking gun control laws. It, and it's something that people get super passionate about. And they, because any time that there's a mass shooting, that's fucking horrible. But the gun is simply the tool that made that mass shooting possible that was just the the thing that made it easy for this lost deranged individual that doesn't give a shit about human life if, if you take his gun away all that if if somebody really wants to cause him in misery the gun was just the tool if you take that tool away they're gonna find a different one 
I mean, look at look at people driving SUVs into crowds of people. Are we going to start banning SUVs? Well, I, I like my SUV. <laughs> I mean, so what I think America has is, yeah, we have a lot of fucking guns everywhere. And we can thank the Second Amendment for that, for good or for bad. But what America has worse is a problem with mental health. There's too many people in this country that don't give a shit about human life. They don't. House just wantonly murder a complete stranger just because they're deranged. It's like, dude, you just destroyed a family. You might have destroyed like a whole network of people that were connected to this person who died senselessly. Like this guy who just who just blasted out a window in a hotel and just fired down on that concert. Look, the, he just the hated country that, music. I blame country music. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, but it's, you know, on the same token, though, that... I don't, I don't think that. I mean, yeah, I, I listen. I don't, I don't own a gun. I've, I've shot handguns before. That that's wicked fun, man. I'm, I'm telling you that that I'm sure you've shot your handgun before. That you can't shoot a Glock and not feel like a badass. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, it's way fun. Oh, it's, it's wicked fun. But... It's, it's expensive. It's fun. I love it. It's great. I don't want a gun in my house. I just don't. I don't. I don't want. I don't feel safe with a gun in my house. You know. What I'm oh saying? yeah. I, I actually feel safer without the gun in my house. You know what I'm saying? I. I. That's just. That's just me. That's how I feel about it. But on the same token, I. How. You got to be somewhat responsible with what you got. I mean, sorry, poor taste there, dude. Hey, anybody want to buy my automatic weapon? No background. Yeah, that was that was shitty that that guy it was did really that on that day. That's he, fucked what, up. Oh, and then his profile picture. So you go to Facebook, his profile picture. Get in this. I'm not shitting you. He's got like some camo outfit on. He's skinning a big ass pig. You know, like one of those wild boars. He must have shot down in the Everglades. And he's got his gun next to him. I'm like, okay, that's awesome. Oh man, I don't know. I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm just. It yeah. used to well, be it's simpler, a, it's a slippery right? slope. Well, I get it, but it used to be simpler. So, guys, guys like David uh, Isaac and I, I love David, and he's all upset about, you know, we've got this problem where no one's kneeling. The, um, you know, all, the the NFL, they're all kneeling at the uh, at the Star Spangled Banner now because they're you know they're protesting and all that kind of stuff, and and I get it, right? But I don't get it because when I was growing up. Every day before we started school, without fail, we all got up and we said the Pledge of Allegiance. Sometimes mm-hmm. we sang, God bless America. Now, I'm told that that's not allowed anymore. I could- See, I asked my kids and they, they said they do the Pledge of Allegiance every day. Oh, that's fantastic. I have been told, yeah. like my friend Bennett's like, nope, you're not allowed to do that anymore. And I'm like, okay, so I, I bet you there are places that don't allow to do you to do that anymore. And I just think that, you know, I get why. So the so the flag grants you to go ahead and protest any way you want, but it also has the history of respect that is due towards it. For the, I mean, millions of people that helped make this place great. And I was raised to, to respect that. So I have a, although I respect people's rights to burn the flag, you have every right to burn the flag. The flag grants you that right. You have the right of freedom of speech. 
I, I don't feel right anytime I see somebody doing it. Because I wonder if they really know what they're doing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was so funny. So when I worked at Tomahawk, we would uh, we got one day off. And my day off was Saturday, right? And we were driving through Woodbury. It's 5 a.m. in the morning. And uh, one of the things they teach you about the flag, you're not supposed to fly the flag at night unless it's lit, okay? And as mm-hmm. a scout, you learn this. I'm like, oh, okay, great. So we're driving around my friend Myron's and uh, we look up and one of his hoity-toity neighbors, rich guys, got his flag flying at night. No lights. And, you know, we every couple weekends go bump up. I'm like, God, this is really pissing me off. So we did. We stopped at this house with the guy whose flag was flying at night. And then we, we lowered it almost all the way down, like half mass. And right? we, we saluted it, said the Pledge of Allegiance, got in our car and got the fuck out of there. Right. I mean, it was one of those things. <laughs> but, um, oh, my gosh. Like, I, those are fun, funny stories that, that I've got. But there's, there's a, just a level of respect that. I believe that our flag deserves. And I would say that no matter what I was in, right? So if I'm in France, I mean, the French flag deserves respect from the people that that uh, that are under it. That, that's just me. And um, so, no, I'm not going to go burn a, a flag anytime any soon. Oh, by the way, if you drop the flag, you're supposed to destroy it. It's never supposed to touch the ground. So, you know, just, those are just little things that I don't know. It... And, I, and honestly, I think that there, there are probably more people like me that miss a lot of those, things, a lot of those traditions that probably did end up voting for Trump. Like, you know, OK, he's going to promise to bring make America great again. We're going to have those things back. And I, I don't see him coming back. I only see him getting worse. And yeah. <laughs> it's, it, you know, and sometimes, you know what, um, things got to get worse before they get better. So maybe. Right. Maybe think that's my thought too. Really, got to get worse before they get better. And I don't know. I hope they don't get because I'm about done with worse right now. You know what I'm saying? I'm 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 in desperate need of some good news, and I'm in desperate. You know, we are in desperate need of. Let's go. We're a circle back, but uh, character and leadership. Yeah. Who's who? Who is that guy or gal? Sorry. Rebecca, De- Rebecca Daling for uh, for president, right? <laughs> Wouldn't that be amazing? I would love that. <laughs> she would totally ban me from the United States, but that's okay. <laughs> Make Chris Evans' birthday a national she holiday. She would. It would be great. <laughs> you know, I think should run, but he never will. Be- because he has character, and that that's Colin Powell. And I don't even care what side of the fence he's on. But I just think he's a man of impeccable character. And um, I think he'd be great. And he's not going to run because his family's too important. And he doesn't want to get drugged through the mud of uh, of that office. I, I don't want to be be there. But I, I that's the kind of individual that I that I want leading this great country. Um, otherwise, you end up, you know, I I was in Minnesota when we elected Jesse the Body Ventura. And that was fucking surreal. And just, I mean, like, stay up all night watching the results come in. Like, what the fuck am I watching? Like, you know what I'm saying? It's a, <laughs> it was a, it was a shit show. Like, how the hell did this happen? Well, that was just even body got the college vote. All the college kids went out and voted. And all the old people stayed home. That hasn't happened since. Jesse was great. 
until the media got to him, and then he became a complete dick. But I remember Jesse, and I, and I was fist pumping. It was great. And I'm going to piss some people off, but I don't care. Jesse, there was a protest on the steps of the capital of the state of Minnesota. And these ladies were protesting because their benefits, their wealth benefits um, uh, for being a single mom were about to run out. And that the state of Minnesota should extend their benefits. And there are about 100 women. They're all protesting. Jesse, he's the governor of the state of Minnesota. And no, I, I can't remember any other leader of, this, of his kind that would ever do this. He, he got out of his office when he heard what was going on. He was so pissed off. He ran up, ran down the, the steps, grabbed a bullhorn from one of the ladies. And he said, I want you to all go home. The state of Minnesota did not get you pregnant. We are not responsible for your inability to be an adult. I want you to all go home and think about that and grow up a little bit. And he threw the, he threw the born down and walked in and I was like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah. And then, but then he turned into his psycho that, um, Oh, you, you guys are going to do that. Uh, you're a big fan of his nine 11 theory, aren't you? I think the 9-11 theories are a little bit far-fetched, but yes, I am stoked to do like a group episode sometime into these crazy things, because when I hear people talk about it, I'm just like, you really fucking believe See, for that? a minute, I thought like, you believed it, and I'm it, like, I mean, oh, Joe Starks believes no, that shit? Oh, I can't wait to do this. No, I can't wait to give him shit. No, I am way too fucking practical. I don't, I don't, I don't buy a lot of those. I, I do have one of my friends that like occasionally, like, jet fuel doesn't melt steel beams shit and i'm like oh my god you're one too right or like people who think that we didn't really land on the moon it's like you're fucking crazy it's like you really in like the biggest thing to me is that you really expect you can have this many people involved and they're all gonna keep the secret really really no no it's not possible that's that's the biggest thing that that says that those really big conspiracies like that are are just you know, it's like you're not going to get that many people to keep their trap shut. Um, the the conspiracy theories that make me sad inside are the people who think that the Earth is flat. <laughs> it's like you dumb motherfucker, <laughs> and like they just they'll come up with any excuse. You'd be like, like, do you know there's a Japanese satellite that takes pictures of the planet like every 15 minutes? And like, how do I know that's real? It's like. Okay, the conversation's it was all fake, over. Dude. They got Photoshop. You can totally make it up. <laughs> and it's like it's like, dude, you can attach a GoPro to a weather balloon and send it up into the atmosphere, and it'll go up high enough to where you can see the curve. Of it. You can see that you're only going to see so far. <laughs> if you go out on the ocean and there's a ship coming at you, you're going to see the mast of the ship before you see the hull. You know why? Because it's coming over the fucking curve of the Earth. Sailors knew that. <laughs> Like any deep sea sailors knew that, like way before the advent, you know, gasoline engines and shit like that. It's like, come on, this is accepted fucking fact. Why are people trying to drag us backwards? Because flat it's, all earthers, you it's all about meism, man. It's all meism. It's all, it's all about like me. Oh. And some of that, I almost wonder: is it just a fad? Is it just people that just want to just say something somewhat controversial without really realizing how totally foolish they look? 
I don't know. I don't know. It's we all got a people putting nose hair extensions in, so <laughs> they're, they're and perfect. they're gluing their you know JJ shut. <laughs> that was fantastic. <laughs> to to jump over to to the yard for a moment, yeah, please dude. do. What the fuck news is one of my favorite things ever. <laughs> I just people love send me stuff all the fucking time. It's great. <laughs> it's it's so great, and that just happened on a whim. Right, that men says thing popped in my inbox. Like, oh my God, we got to talk about it. And we talked about it for like an, an hour. Oh my God, it was great. And David was losing his fucking mind. Like, can we please talk about something else? This is so fucking stupid. I'm like, yeah, but it's funny. He's like, oh my it's God, so it's not so stupid. fucking stupid. And people are so stupid. You know, I can't tell stories I've looked up about sex robots. Sex robots are fucking everywhere. Everybody's got a sex robot. <laughs> I'm not kidding. You know, it's unbelievable. I mean, it, it, and people are just so fucking stupid. Oh my god! But I'm I'm glad you like that. It, it's it it is pretty funny. Um, I do when you play the bumper. I, I I will randomly sing that bumper just walking around the during deal? the day. What the fuck is on? <laughs> I just what the fuck are we doing here? Oh my god! <laughs> I do it all the time. I love it. Did I? Did I? You know the story behind that, right? Yeah, wasn't it like a? I think I've seen the clip. Wasn't it like there was, there was a? It was a? It was a? Um, just a reporter, was a reporter, and he was out in the middle of fucking. Yeah. And they said the traffic was bad somewhere, and he went out there, and you're supposed to report on what's going on. And he had had a really bad day. And there was no real big traffic. There was no weather. There was nothing. He's like, what the fuck are we doing here? What the hell? This is it was right. What the fuck? You're just creating news, man. You just create news and, oh, gosh. Okay, yeah. so I got that mixed up with it where it showed some guy and he's like out in the, like, he's not really in the woods, but he's somewhere somewhat rural and like some big grasshopper or something like jumps up and lands on his chest and he freaks the fuck out. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> have you seen that one? No. I gotta go he, find like, that loses. one. I'll have to look it up and send it to you, dude. It's so great. Like all of a sudden he goes from being like like professional black man giving you the news, talking like a white guy, to as soon as that critter lands on him, he just goes fuck. <laughs> It's it's fantastic. Motherfucker, oh, what the fuck was that? <laughs> Well, that is so, awesome. So awesome. That's half the fun. Well, you know it. I mean, you uh, well, uh, you know how it is. For me, I'm, whenever I'm putting that show together, I'm always trying to, well, how am I going to tie stuff in that's going to be funny? Because it really isn't. I, you know, I, and I told this to Rebecca on her tech show. I, I really just do it because, you know, I love my kid. And now I love my kid and I love my wife. And, I, and, so, and I love David, too. And we're just going to, we're just going to talk about stupid shit. There's, there is no redeeming value to the two hours of stuff we're talking about. It is a, it is literally a complete waste of time. <laughs> it's it is a highly entertaining waste of it time. It's a highly entertaining. <laughs> I'm glad that people are entertained by it, but we had good intentions. We had good intentions, and then it it all fell apart. It all fell into whatever. And uh, yeah, it, uh, it it it's a it's a ton of fun. And the the show that again my my favorite. My favorite episode, Austin and I got shit-faced. I was just going to say that. <laughs> I'm going to have to listen to that again because it's... Okay, recording it was fucking fun. Listening to it was even more fun because, I mean, you could just hear... I mean, if you look close, 
folks, if you, I, I run a show called Tales from the Yard. It, it's a it's a silly little show, and I foolishly thought it would be a really great idea <laughs> to drink with my 21 year old kid and get stirred on here. I mean, it was Mike Bolt. We had a, a segment called. Um, uh, <laughs> drunk tales, or what was it? I can't remember. It was, um, oh, I shut up. Uh, fuck you, I'm drunk. That was the name of the segment. That's right. And 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 I was looking for drunk stories from Austin because he's in college, and I have great drunk stories from college, and uh, he didn't have any that he wanted to share anyway. So I get that. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get you drunk on the liquor. This is gonna be funny, and you could just. You know, he's in the other room. He was visiting me, and he's in the other room. I could hear. I didn't hear him. I'm too busy focused on what we're doing, right? But you could hear him, like, go to the refrigerator and steal some beer and go, oh, that's good. Oh, I want some more. Oh, I need some more ammo. And he's just doing that. I'm like, what the fuck? And the next thing you know, we're like, I was like oh, my God. <laughs> I have an incriminating picture. Like, Remember, I came back out and I, and I said I found him in the bathroom. I have a picture of it. It's on my phone. I send it to people when they're having a bad day. I go, go check this out. His legs are sticking out the door and everything. The poor guy. Oh, and then Lynn came back. Oh, that's the funny part. Lynn comes. It was her last day at work. She quit a job that was terrible. And I encouraged her to. I said, you should quit this job. Go back to school and find a job. Okay, great. We're all going to go celebrate. She comes home. Hey, honey, I'm still recording. She looks over, and Austin's passed out in the bathroom. And she just looked at me and goes, what the fuck did you do? (laughs) I said, what do you mean? We're all supposed to go and have a good time. Austin will be fine. We'll just dust him off. So we got in an Uber (laughs) and went downtown. And, oh, my God, that poor, my poor kid, you know, I want to have a cigar. (laughs) You just look at me. You know, Austin, you want a beer? No. <laughs> oh, it was like you should have left him at home. Well, I want to celebrate with you. You quit your job. Oh God! Oh, and the guy that owns the bar is a friend of mine. He's just guy. You okay? Yeah, it's my son, Austin. He didn't look too good. Um, yeah, he looks kind of green. He didn't look green. <laughs> Do you have any college drunk stories? I bet yours are all mushroom stories. They're not drunk stories, aren't they? Pretty much. I didn't start. I didn't start drinking. I didn't get a taste for beer. And I mean, it was within the last like two years. Yeah. And so that's really when I started drinking. But yeah, when I was in college, it it was more, more psychedelics and stuff. (laughs) Yeah. I was in a, well, that's the thing I told in the beginning of this episode. I, I, I've never done any of that shit. I went to, I'm an Alpha Delta Phi. And, uh, like I said on, on my show, uh, uh, they re we had to recolonize at the University of Minnesota because in the 1970s they got busted for growing weed in the attic. So they had an entire distribution and growth system for weed in the attic. So it was a big deal not to have any hardcore drugs. We had plenty of alcohol, plenty of alcohol. Um, and man, oh man, I tell you, um, I barely remember. Did I tell my 21st birthday story? I don't think so. Oh my gosh. Do you remember, first of all, do you remember your 21st birthday, Joe? Yeah. Then you didn't yeah. do it right. Okay? So. <laughs> well, I wasn't a drinker at the time, so it was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> My 21st birthday, that's the one time I remember getting completely trashed. So this is a place called the uh, Pub Down Under. 
I don't think it's I don't think it's there anymore. The U.S. Bank Stadium, not U.S. Bank, TCF Bank Stadium's there. Uh, so twenty guys to uh, to this pub on my twenty first birthday. It's Monday night. By the way, really dumb idea. Do not go out with uh, twenty guys uh, on your twenty first birthday because you're about to get hammered. Right. I mean, that that was a really bad idea. But, hey, I'm young and I'm dumb. And oh, my gosh, it was like the first thing. Well, what do you want? Uh, I would like a tequila sunrise because I'm a I'm a sophomore in college and I'm and I'm an idiot. Yeah. Give me a tequila sunrise. OK. <laughs> so I'm drinking one of those. Next thing I know, he's got you know, I've got this table and these guys are just fuck that. He's never going to get drunk on this. Let's speed up the process. So. They go, all right, you know, here's a shot of Jaeger. Boom. And then I had a stoplight. You ever had a stoplight? Uh-uh. Okay, so it's <laughs> red, yellow, green shots. One, two, three, boom. And it's disgusting. Stoplight, I had some beer. I lost count of what I was at. Um, I remember that I fell down walking across the bar, and then my friend, uh, my um, two of my friends were like, we got to get him out of here because I was that messed up. And so we're walking down University Avenue. I'm, I've got a, I got a brother on one side, brother on the other side, and and we're walking down. And I, I this is there are two things I distinctly remember, and then the rest of the story is even funnier. So these two women come by, and I look at them, and I go, "You marry me?" Uh, and they ran. Right, my buddies are all. <laughs> we get to the house, and we're staying, and there's a bathroom downstairs. I go, I got to pay. I got I got I got pay. I got pay. I got pay. So we go to the bathroom and my friends are really nice. They actually helped me unzip my pants. <laughs> and <laughs> that uh, is a good friend. It's a good friend, right? Joe, I I hit the toilet. I swear to god. <laughs> I remember that. It was they're all screaming, "Get the toilet, hit the toilet." <laughs> Boom. <laughs> That's the last thing, that, okay? <laughs> I woke up the next day on the couch, on the couch. There was a blanket on me. Um, my underwear was hanging from a ceiling fan right above my head. And my, I had a, sh- a dress shirt on, and that was open, so I had no underwear on. And there's vomit all over the front of me. And the first thing that <laughs> came to my head was, oh, that's really fucking gross. Who would, who would throw up on me? That's <laughs> That's disgusting. Then I, after a minute or two, I was like, "Oh, I threw up on me." Okay, that's not good. <laughs> this is disgusting. All right, when I got my underwear down from the ceiling fan, I went up and took a shower. And all the next day, everybody just laughed at me, laughed at me, and I heard stories. Apparently, um, uh, I, I had you know after I peed all over everything, somebody came and gave me a bucket, put it on Ted. And this was 1990. So it was right after the 89 Batman. And I was really into fucking Batman. And so I'm laying on the ground um, half naked with a bucket on my head. And these girls came by, little sisters of the fraternity, and they're like, uh, oh my gosh, is Scott okay? And uh, they're like, no. Hey, hey, Scott. Hey, Scott. Scott. Do the Batman. And I sat there half naked with a bucket over my head going, 
yeah so yeah that yeah that was my 21st birthday it was that's a lot better than mine why what would you do did you didn't get nate's batman uh let's see i worked a shift at the convenience store and then when i got off work i bought a six pack of rolling rock because that was something that i'd seen my friends drink and I took it home, and at the time, I was living in a house that a friend was renting, and there were other of us that were, you know, kind of helping out with the rent, and we just had rooms there. And so I drank two drinks of the Rolling Rock. I went, this is gross. I dumped it out. And the next morning, I woke up, and there was only one beer left in there with a bunch of ones stuffed in the rest of the empty holes of the six-pack. Fuckers. So my roommates had drank the beer, but at least they paid me for them. <laughs> That was my 21st birthday. Yeah, it was lame. That's very lame. It's very, very, it's very, very sad. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, it's fun in college when your buddies get turned 21 because you just go out and purposely get them fucked up. You know what I'm saying? Mission, you'd get them all fucked up. I think I told the story about my friend Bennett and taking him out to the uh, strip club. And uh, boy, was he, they had to escort him out. Because he broke the rule. You know what I'm saying? So the the women on the stage, you can't touch them. right? Nope. Oh, he was touching them all night long. He could stop touching them. So they're, they're like, you guys need to go. Okay. So we go outside. You know, he, come, he comes walking out and he vomits in the bushes. And we're like, we're out of here. We are out of here. Uh, yeah, no, alcohol. It was funny because, you know, I DJed weddings and I DJed. I, I when you're in college, I, I, if I could go back and do college right, I would because I, I, I found that college parties, at least the parties I were at, I, I was way too serious about life, and I wish that I had been more less serious. You know what I'm saying? Like I wanted a serious girlfriend, uh, and I wanted a serious girlfriend so so bad that you know ultimately I made you know, I made a poor choice in, in who I chose. Right. So mm-hmm. what happens at, at fraternity parties is that people show up for two reasons. One, just get trashed. Cause if you get invited to one of these things, they're free. Like we would buy all the kegs. We'd have like three, four kegs in this bar. And, and uh, so people would just get trashed. So I'm going to go ahead and drink all night long for free. This is great. Or B, I'm going to go hook up with somebody. Well, if you're serious about those things, then hooking up with, I, I found out right away, like, I don't want to hook up with you. You're drunk. You're not even going to remember me in the morning. I don't want that. I want something. Else. So I just played music at, at our parties and, and it was great. Um, but I didn't really met anybody there. And then I of course met Austin's mom and we started doing cool, but our best parties, we used to do a, um, do you know what a uh, graffiti party is? Uh-uh. We should totally do this for uh, C2E2. So here's what a graffiti party is. Everybody shows up with a white T-shirt on. And then um, you have markers all over the place. You got you know, Crayola markers. Um, try not to get the Sharpie permanent markers, but you could use those too. And basically what you do is throughout the night, you go sign people's T-shirt with whatever. Which is a shit ton of fun. Because then the next morning you wake up, you read your t-shirt and see what people wrote about. 
And usually, you know, somebody draws a dick, like Eric Marable would probably draw a couple dicks and whatnot. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. So yeah, to do a do a, t- uh, do a uh, graffiti party somewhere. Yeah, that sounds. Yeah, fun. wicked fun. You know, especially if you're drunk. That was that was a good time. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it was. Uh, but that the college was was great. So you know, back to the fuck you, I'm drunk segment. I I know Austin's having a good time. I just don't know if he's sharing that stuff with me. He may not. Right? I don't want to tell my dad. That's uncool. You know, his dad's pretty cool. He doesn't know that. But I don't want to tell my dad what I did. It's uncool. But at C2E2, he did. I'm like, I'm gonna call Austin and. and and had him talk to Brian, and that was so great because he idolizes Brian. He thinks Brian's just the coolest guy ever. There's Brian talking to Austin. He's got a fucking SpongeBob SquarePants Hawaiian shirt on because they were having a party. And Austin was a little bit drunk. It was great. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh my god, it was so funny. It was it was it was really fun. I, yeah, it'll be really great. If you're gonna go to C2E2, you're gonna cosplay. And what are you gonna do? Uh, I haven't figured it out. I I thought about cosplaying. Um, Rebecca keeps joking with me saying I need to go as shirtless bear fighter, but I have a real problem with the shirtless part. Why not? <laughs> It'd be great. <laughs> that means I have until what? What? What is that? April? April? May? Uh-huh. When's C2E2? April. First April. Right. Okay. So that means I have until the first week of April to get really ripped like shirtless bear fighter. I don't think you need to be really ripped. Well, I would have to just oh, for my console to be okay with me. Well, <laughs> like, then, I won't even go out and fucking mow my lawn in the, the the height of summer heat. I won't go out and mow my lawn without a shirt on. Really? Well, you would fit in. I'm just not that guy. Well, you could go out down here in Florida. I tell you, all my neighbors are scary as fuck, man. I tell you, they, they're all... <laughs> they don't give a shit. My neighbor, oh, great guy, real nice people. He's walking around, no shirt every day. He's got, he's got a keg. That dude... He he wears his gas tank for his better than anybody I've ever seen. It's it's great, but it, yeah, everywhere you would you would fit in. No shame, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like I said this before. Uh, uh, going to Golden Corral is great because it doesn't matter how big you are. Somebody bigger than you is going to be at Golden Corral. You feel much better about yourself. <laughs> That's oh my god, it's so true. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'd I'd like to cosplay as something. I just haven't figured out what I want to do yet. It was so much fun. Um, man, I, I just got to figure out what to do. I have no idea. I can't, can't do what you did last year, although Rebecca will probably be Wonder Woman again just because. I don't know. We'll have to see. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, I got one last thing I want to talk about, and it's um, I, don't, I don't think we'll be able to break the record. I just don't. Well, actually, we probably could. I do have a long day of work tomorrow. And then, yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, dude, we could. Because you're so easy to talk to, Scott. But yeah, I don't want to stay up. I that can't late. believe anybody would. I don't want to stay up that late. You have to schedule another time. But I want to talk about absolutely. Dude. I want to talk about one of my new favorite shows and then tie it into my personal life because the story is awesome, uh, but sure. cool um, and sad all at the same time. Have you ever watched um, Ninety Day Fiance? No, I've never even heard of it. Oh, okay. So Lynn and I are watching Ninety Day Fiance. 90 day, so here's here's the whole premise of this show, and actually we're watching before the 90 day. When you marry someone outside of the United States, you get what's called a K-1 visa. 
Once the K-1 visa has been approved by both embassies, it's got to get approved here in the United States. It doesn't take that long. And then it's got to get approved by the embassy of the country that your fiancé is coming from, which takes a little bit longer. Then once it's approved and they make it here to the United States, have 90 days to get married. If you don't get married in 90 days, the process starts all over again. This is hella fun to watch other people go through um, simply because, oh, how I want to put it, um, a lot of people don't necessarily have the best intention when they want to marry somebody from another country. There are, and that's why the rules are the way they are, because I think a lot of people want to, hey, this, it's a way to become an American citizen. I will marry yeah. an American, and then I'm good to go. Oh, by the way, you get married, then you have to apply for your green card before you can start working in the United States. We find this to be a great show. At least I've, I turned my wife on to it because she thinks it's great because um, yours truly was, before I met my wife, I was actually engaged um, to someone from uh, Great Britain. And that turned out to be a very interesting and unique story that I wanted to share with everybody. Um, so that, that show hits real close to home with me. Uh, I, I love my experience, uh, my my ex's name was Emma. Um, I, she found me on uh, OKCupid. All of a sudden, I'm on OKCupid, um, you know, getting back in the dating scene. And all of a sudden, it's like I get pinged from this from England. I'm like, what the fuck? You're from England. And I looked her up. I'm like, you know, hey, I don't know if you've ever done any internet dating, but OKCupid actually puts a percentage on based on questions you answer, things that you like to do, right? Okay. We were like 98%. Highest oh, ever, wow. which is why she pinged me. I'm like, hey. And I looked at it and said, you know, it's too far. It's too bad that you are so fucking far away because you're kind of cute. So we start talking. And we got a lot in common. She passes my test. Likes dogs, hates cats. Actually, she doesn't hate cats. She's got cats, but she's willing to give them up for me. Yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. Love coasters. That's another one of my questions get a love roller coasters in halloween she was super into zombies in halloween so i'm like hey you know what you should come down to halloween horror nights um i'll show you halloween horror nights blah 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 and we were talking like almost every day you know over and by then we had skype and whatnot all out of the groovy shit Sticks down for halloween horror nights we're gonna go out halloween horror nights and uh uh a really great weekend had a really awesome weekend um got really close didn't expect that I'd get into it. Had no idea what was going on. Um, it was one of those weekends where, um, when you uh, when you say goodbye to somebody and you know you're not going to see them for a while, that, and I had never experienced this. Like she was, she was in the ball in her eyes out. Just and I'm like, holy shit, wow, that's pretty intense. This person's crying for me. So now I'm, you know, we're both crying, and. Uh, so that was really cool. Got to meet my son and all that good stuff. Then months later, yeah, a couple weeks later, I decided I'm going to go ahead and fly to Europe. And I had never been to Europe. You ever been to Europe? Oh, you just got back from Europe. Yep, just got back from Germany. Yeah, was that the, was it first time, second time? How many times? It was the first time leaving the country. Isn't it fucking surreal? 
Yes. I mean, <laughs> very much so. Did, didn't you like totally appreciate coming back home? Or not? Uh, um, eventually, once I actually got home, but the the first stop was Chicago, mm-hmm. and so it was like, wow, I was just around all these lovely, polite, super friendly German people, and now I'm back dealing with fucking asshole Chicago TSA. Oh, they're off. And, the TSA. Oh, are so I'm sorry. No, I shouldn't I, say I totally that out loud. We're going to get anal raped the next time we go through TSA. You know that, right? Because we just said that. They're listening. Just like the post office fucks up every one of Jordan's packages because he made a point to to, to yell at him. He's now yeah. targeted. Well, well I'll, I'll say it. Fuck the TSA. They're fucking not all assholes, but the ones that are assholes and they know who they are. It's like, I don't care how fucking bored you are with your job saying the same shit over and over again. I'm not an everyday traveler. I don't instinctively fucking know your rules. And if you don't have signage up around the security checkpoint areas, I'm going to need a helping hand. And you don't need to be an asshole to me about it. Well, I'm so glad that you are not in front of me because I would really get pissed off at you. That's, oh no! I was super polite going through it. I bottled it all up. Yeah, I, I would. <laughs> yeah, that's why I have TSA pre-check. <clears throat> yes. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's worth. You know what that is, right? Uh, yeah, it's kind of something extra you sign up for. Yeah, so I pay a hundred bucks. Through there a little easier. Yeah, I got to pay a hundred bucks. It's good for five years. Uh, it's actually I actually have global entry, which is even better. So I got it because I was dating Emma. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get this. It'll be great. But I don't have to take my shoes off. You don't go through the body scanner. You just go through the regular metal detector. I don't take I don't take my computer out. So there are less people in the line. It's fucking great. When I come home from uh, Europe or Canada or anywhere, I just scan my passport, answer a couple questions, get a, a little printout ticket, and I don't have to go talk to any customs agent. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, it's fucking amazing, right? So... Yeah, when I flew out to London, I'm like, man, I'm going to go to London. And I had never been anywhere outside the United States except for Canada. Canada's in fucking Sorry. You know, this is just, <laughs> no, I just, totally agree. It doesn't fucking count. It, it's, it's, uh, it might, we might as well just annex Canada. You know what I'm saying? Just make it part of the United States and be done. But at any rate, um, I was supposed to fly through JFK and from JFK into Heathrow and um, there was an issue with the plane. So then I flew Air France to uh, Charles de Gaulle. Did you have to make a stop, or did you go directly into Germany? We went directly from Chicago to Frankfurt. Oh, lucky son of a bitch. Because i got to tell you, CDG, oh, man, I had to go through security again. So here's the funny thing. It's not funny because, oh, by the way, the reason why my flight was delayed uh, – my flight was delayed enough out of Dulles. I, I went from work. Right, so my flight was delayed enough from Dulles to Heathrow because, and I saw them. There were these two passengers, and they had backpacks on, like they were going to go camping, you know, do the trekking thing. They had they had a canine unit, anti drug dogs, right? So these two fuckers had <laughs> had a whole bunch of weed in their backpacks. What? Yes. They're smoking How stupid weed. are people? Oh, it's so stupid. They had a whole bunch of weed somewhere there, and they go, yeah, we had to, we had to, we're not letting these two guys fly. So they had to go find their luggage and get it out of the plane, which took forever. So I'm going to miss my connection in Charles de Gaulle, which means I'm not going to get into Heathrow anytime soon. And I don't have any real way of letting Emma know, right? It was, well, when I got the, 
CDG, I let her know. And I, you know, she knew my flight numbers and everything. So you get to Charles de Gaulle. And by the way, from going from terminal to terminal in the, they made you go through security again. I'm like, you fuckers. And I know a little bit of French. So I go up to the gate. I see my plane that I'm supposed to be on pull away. I'm like, fuck, I just missed it. I go, I was supposed to be on that plane. And they're very nice to me. So they go, okay, we're going to give you, we're going to give you this, uh, this voucher and you can use it anywhere in this terminal to get a sandwich and a drink. And I'm like, wow, I'm in France. A sandwich in France? I'm excited, right? Because this is going to be good. I know it's going to be good. And I went up to this counter. I had this voucher. I should, this is a true story. I walk, walk up to the counter. I go, uh, I got a voucher. I'd like to get one of your sandwiches. And you can see these big baguettes with uh, ham and cheese. And, oh, it just looks great. And this woman grabs my voucher, looks at it, looks at me. She goes, hold a sec. She goes in the back room. She comes out. One of the gas station sandwiches, you know, the triangle ones. Yeah. Oh, gross. Yep. That was my free sandwich. I'm like, but, but, but. That's fucked up. I'm mad. I'm like, you fucker. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm in France and you give me this fucking piece of super America sandwich. I mean, give me a break. <laughs> so bullshit. And I was so mad. Then I get into London and then she's all like, hey, and, you know, um, it was so good to see her because I had traveled like fucking 24 hours. I'm just exhausted. Oh, and they lost my luggage. My luggage. I'm like, dude, that pisses me off. You, 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 it's taken me extra. T- By the way, if you ever get delayed like that, the chances are they're going to lose your luggage. It makes no fucking sense. But, but it, it just works against you. Right. So I'm like, great. Now I don't have any fucking clothes or anything. And we had to drive to Exeter, and I eventually got my luggage. I called up Delta. I'm a platinum member at Delta, and I chewed them out, and they gave me a free ticket somewhere. It was it was all right, whatever. Um, I met her son. Um, her son and I are still good friends. His name is Aaron. He was about the same age as Austin, and his dad had left him a long time ago. And uh, he and I became really good friends. Uh, that week was just surreal, like having a beer in a pub. Like, wow, this is so cool. I'm having a beer in a pub and it was really good beer too. I'm like, this is great. And you know, I learned that the English, um, that they love, uh, they love their Indian food. You know what I'm saying? They love curry and everything's a curry. Uh, and everything was so different. Like, this is so cool. And I'm having a really good time. I mean, it was like magical because we were so far away and because we had to put all that effort into that relationship from an emotional level that when you physically, it was just off the fucking chains. Great. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This just, this is incredible. And it was like, you know, I, you know, it, it just felt, how could anything get more perfect? This is just fucking fantastic. So that's great. So then, um, a few months later she came to visit and again, we just got really, 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 really into each other and it was fantastic. And I knew that this process with the K1 visa was going to take a long while. And, I, and she had told me that, oh, man, I've always wanted to live in Florida. And, uh, and, and, and you are so sweet and so kind and everything's so great. And I just love your house and I love your son. And just, this is awesome. I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. It's going to take a year. So we'll use this year of this process to continue to decide that this is a good thing or not a good thing. So I asked her to marry me. And, um, she flipped out. Oh, wow. Great. And she, actually her, her words were, holy fuck. 
That was her. That's what she said. <laughs> Which is to me should have been a fly, um, <laughs> but it wasn't. And I was really happy, and it was really cool. And I even had friends. Uh, like I would call her. We'd be in the car, and and there's something really sexy about a British voice. You know, women yeah. from oh man, it's just sexy as hell. Like, hello Scott, how's it going? You know, I miss you, and I want to rub your Johnson and whatever. <laughs> you know, it was unfucking believable. Like I hung up the phone with my friend Mike. You know, we were on. I was on a road trip, like doing work, and hang up the phone. And he goes. So I just got to ask you something, Scott. What? Do you find your voice sexy? I go, oh, it's sexy as fuck, man. He goes, I'm turned on. Just I go, yeah, right? Right? <laughs> oh, sexy as fuck. So um, everything was okay. And then um, the bottom fell out, which is really weird. So I go up to visit on my fucking birthday weekend, right? Slowly and surely, we're starting to not feel as cool. Like every time she came to the U.S., she wanted to bring somebody with her. And I'm like, I'd like to have just you time. Oh, can I bring my friend Shirley? She needs to see what's going on. I'm like, well, of course she's welcome in my house. And of course she's welcome for sure. Come here, my dad. He needs to know. Okay, great. Sure, of course. So it's my birthday. I fly up there, go visit her. Um, and it was one of those moments where her son lived with her. Her son was like, again, like I said, 22, 23 years old, almost 24. He's older now. And uh, I thought I'm going to smoke cigars because I'm a horrible influence on kids. It's great. And uh, we're up. I haven't seen her in a while. Of course, you get close to one another. We get done. I start, hey, so, you know, what are we going to do for um, – you know, getting things planned because, you know, when are you coming over now? It's supposed to be here in October. And she goes, I don't know if I can do October. I said, well, why not? Well, Aaron's going to grab this academy. And I don't want to be in a position where I have to come back to the UK and have anything get fucked up. And you ever have one of those moments where it's like your heart sinks in your stomach because you know something is really fucked up? Yeah. Now, I had that moment. Right. So I was looking at her. I really did care about her. And I was like, I knew it wasn't going to work. I just said, can you do this? You mean I'm asking you to leave your son and I'm really fucking important to you, even though he's a fucking grown man. Right. Um, and he should be on his own. His girlfriend's living with him too. And, uh, you know, but apparently he's the most important thing in your life. And I don't want to, I don't want to take you from that. I actually told her that. I said, I don't want to take you from that. Can you do this? Because if you don't or you think you can't, we should stop right now before it gets ugly, right? So we can stay friends. And mm-hmm. she yelled at me and she's like, oh, you know, it's, you know, I get a say in this too. I didn't say you didn't have a say in this. Of course you have a say in this, right? So um, a couple of days later, I go by and it's my birthday. And, uh, and I, I sent her a text with shoes at work. I just said, you know, I've been thinking long and hard about what we talked about. And, you know, I think, you know, after the first of the year, once Aaron graduates, we can go ahead and, and work towards you coming over. I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I've accepted that and I'm okay with it. Then she took an hour off at lunch and, and she goes, I got your text. And I'm really upset about it. I'm like, 
okay, well, why are you really upset about it? She says, well, you know, I can't commit to that. I don't, I'm going to have, I'm ready to come over. I'm the, I'm going to be the one to tell you when this is going to happen. I'm going to have to be the one to tell you. Well, happy fucking birthday to me. Thanks. Thanks so much. (laughs) That's, that's great. That's awesome. Thanks for making this day. Um, Really fucking great for me. So then we go. It gets even better. So to dinner with uh, with her, you know, and she goes, surprise dinner, real nice dinner. And her dad was there, and I liked her dad. And, you know, her son and her brother were there and everything. And we're having dinner. And, and this is nice. And, you know, and uh, I'm going to be nice and romantic. I uh, She had a cold shoulder dress on or whatever, and I'm all dressed up. And I just looked at her, and I gave her a kiss on the shoulder. And then um, all of a sudden she goes, she just turned ice fucking cold. I'm like, whoa, holy shit. So I, I finally whispered in her ear. I go, uh, what's wrong? And she goes, you kissed me on the shoulder in front of my father. Okay, and what's wrong with that? I would really love to know what's wrong with that. And we're engaged and your dad probably knows we're fucking okay so um you know me kissing you on the shoulder is no big deal she was totally just a bitch i mean to the point where like her family came by afterwards after the birthday she kind of want to apologize for emma she was such a bitch to you and i'm like what the fuck came home went and found a shrink right talk mm-hmm. talk to a shrink for by the way um shrinks are great things if you want to go work something out Go see a shrink. Make sure you want to know what you want to work on. Like for me, I was like, what am I going through? How do I fix this? That was my thing. How do I fix it? Because obviously this person's got some issues and I don't know how I feel about it. So we went back and forth. Like I went to visit her at Christmas time and that was like I almost flew home halfway through the week. Like my friends were like, go home, leave. Like she didn't even pick me up at the airport. Like I had to go and get on a fucking bus, take a three-hour bus ride. She was too busy. Like, who the fuck does that? Yeah, or that's when, a pretty bad sign. Yeah, pretty bad sign. Oh, it gets worse. Or I picked her up at the, at the, in the U.S. once, and, um, you know, you know, 9-11 really fucked everything up for everybody, but I, I still, if 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 you're important to me, like, if you came to visit me, Joe, I would park the car, get out of the car, and I'll meet you at the top of the ramp, right? Because that shows that you're important to me. And I, I, I remember I met her at the top of the ramp while she's getting off. She's like, Thanks for putting in the effort. I mean, what do you mean? She goes, well, you're in jeans and a, in shorts. I go, yeah, it's 108 degrees outside, right? Yeah. Right? Well, you could have dressed up nice for me. I'm like, what the fuck's your problem? So here's the funny thing, right? So finally we go through all this drama, and uh, um, the best part was uh, – it's not the best part. It was a horrible, horrible, horrible thing. So finally I'm like, I don't know if this is right. And my shrink actually asked me, he goes, are you done and I go, I don't know. I think I might be. Um, and he goes, okay, well, what are you going to do? No. She made it easy for me because all of a sudden, like the very next day, I swear to God, the very next day I'm in a hotel room, I get a text from her, a fucking text from her. I still have it. I saved it. And it was, um, I'm starting to feel like you've got cold feet uh, about all this because I hadn't, we hadn't started planning the date or anything like that. Um, please let me know if you're having second thoughts because I wouldn't want to fuck up my life. And I read there at a wall for like 20 minutes and then I wrote back, you should stay home. I certainly wouldn't want you to fuck up your life because that is <laughs> not something that 
you tell anybody that you're in love with. Right? Right? Oh, and then I caught, holy hell. Um, she wanted to talk to me, so we FaceTimed for an hour, and it was all about why, and I just sat there and I listened, and in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, my God. And then it was like, you know the good old, we used to be able to break up with somebody, and the entire world didn't know about it? Only, like, the people you wanted to tell? Well, not anymore, because, you know, there's a thing called Facebook, and she went on Facebook and said... Oh, just horrible things about me. Wrote to my son and said, your dad broke up with me today and I may never see you again before I even had a chance to tell. Right. Holy shit. Blocked me on this. Blocked me on that. I'm like, wow, I dodged a motherfucking bullet. Right. That's what I was just going to tell you, dude. Total motherfucking bullet. So anyway, 90 day fiance. I'm sitting there. It's like it's like flashback city because I'm watching this and there are people who are just lonely as fuck putting up with like one guy he's he's he he fell in love with this woman from france flies all the way to france to be with her for a week right and she gets there and goes i have something i need to tell you what's that well i have a boyfriend what 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 and he's all like what and this guy calls his mom and she goes, well, make the best out of what's going on. Cause she said, well, I'll stay with you for a week, but we can't do anything. Cause I have a boyfriend. I'm seeing somebody. I'm like, dude, grow a pair of fucking balls and go home. Right. Cause she's playing. No you. She's totally playing you. But we watch this thing going, Oh my God, it's terrible. And you know, there are cultural differences. Like I, you know, I, I would never go back and change anything. And, and you know, I want to kind of end our time today with a really awesome story. Kind of tie this all together. Right. Uh, I wouldn't, I know I've said it a hundred times, but I am at any rate, I wouldn't want to change any of it because I've learned so much about other cultures by having, right? I have such a, I, I did things that I never thought I would do. Um, you know, I, I saw, you know, we took a Jack the Ripper tour. I got to see all the places where those things happened and, and experience a different sense of history because as you know, I mean, the people in Europe, there's thousands you got several hundred years of history they got thousands more yeah you know of history they got this it's so fucking cool um and you know and her son and i are son like her son shortly after we broke up moved out of the house with his girlfriend got his own house they're gonna get married and he's like i don't want to ever talk to my mom she was awful to you but i hope we can still stay friends and i'm like that's the biggest coolest thing ever like you know, and, I, and you know, I've gotten to the point where I don't hate her anymore. I I used to hate her anymore. I actually feel really sad because her son is talking to me and not to her anymore. He will not talk to her anymore. But I honestly believe that, you know, we talked about all the things that we go through in life. Um, I had to that to appreciate what I have today. Um. Several months later, I decided I was going to go ahead and get into the dating scene again. Being my shrink, I said, do you think that's okay? All my, a lot of people say you got to wait a year. And he goes, wait a year for what? Well, I just broke up with Emma like four months ago. He goes, you didn't break up with Emma four months ago. You were trying to fix something was broken. That fucking thing was broken. Get out there. So I'm like, okay, cool. So I had been on uh, Christian Ming. I, I, one of the things that was really important to me that was a big big debacle and why I thought it was done with, with Emma was she um, she and I share, uh, um, didn't have a shared sense of faith. She uh, she she would often uh, rip on things that I felt were important. 
And, you know, I thought in time maybe she might come around to feel the same way I do about things. But um, instead, she chose to make fun of me a lot. That's not right. I think that you do have to have some shared sense of those kind of things that if they're important to you. And at that point in time, it was important to me. So I went to Christian Mingle. Right on. Lynn, oh, believe it or not, I, I you know that I, I think that that's important. So Lynn had been there, and I've been trying to get a hold of her. I she's one of those people that I sent a message to like months ago, and never heard back from. And um, my wife is gorgeous, and I, I, you know, all of a sudden, um, I got this ping from her saying, "Hey, how's it going?" I'm like, Shit, she wrote back to me. What did I do? I'm the luckiest guy ever. So we decided to go on a date. We go to uh, a sushi place. She had never had sushi before. And, um, you know, the date was okay. My, uh, one of the best man of my wedding, a guy named Mark, his um, wife served him divorce papers that same day. And so I had my date with Lynn, and I called it short. I said, you know what? I, I need to go. Uh, and it was our first date. So for why? I just need to go because I was really worried about Mark. I was really thought he was going to kill himself, right? So I'm like, you, you know, he's riding around on his motorcycle. They don't want him to get hurt. And so I wrote her a letter wrote her the next day, and I said, uh, hey, I had a really good time with you. Um, let me know um, if you want to spend some more time uh, together. That would be a lot of fun. And I, I swear to God, within 10 minutes, I got a ping back from her. And she said, more time with you would be. I'm like, wow. So then I wrote her, I'm like, what are you doing like right now. <laughs> so we went out, um, uh, we walked the beach. Uh, I stole a kiss from her. Yes. I stole a kiss from her. Um, that was great. And then like the next day I woke up and I had to get, I travel a lot. So the next day I had to get up and, uh, get on an airplane and, and go to Sterling, Virginia. And, uh, that one day left. And I think it was, I think it was labor day. It was Monday. And I just wrote her. I said, you know what? You're going to think I'm crazy. But I don't want to go on the road for a week and not see you again. And I know it's like three dates in a row. Uh, if you want to come over to my place, I'll make you dinner. And she goes, what time? So she came over and I made her dinner. I made a great time. And I haven't spent... Yeah, it hasn't been a day that I haven't talked to my wife since. It hasn't been a day that I haven't... You know, I spend time with her when I can. And we're really, really close. Yes. You know, it's all these lonely people out there that choose to do silly things like, you know, put up with bullshit, you know, from people of all walks in life and whatnot. I, I think that when you get to that point where you're um, confident enough in who you are, in, the, in, in my journey, that was all about having the courage to say, you know, so I left my wife who, who abused me. Even then I was still messed up. But having the courage to say, you know what, I deserve I are better than this. And I got it. So all those people that say, you know what? I, I don't, I don't know if I'm worthy of anything better. Or I don't know if my life is ever getting better. I'm here to tell you that that's not true. That your life will get better. And that, that you do deserve great things. Especially all the people that are on this show. You guys are all wonderful, awesome people. All of you. Even those that don't know who the fuck I am, you guys are all amazing people and you deserve great things. So if you can believe in that, eventually you're going to get what you deserve.
you get those good things. Like my good friend Joe Stark. So that's what I'm going to end with. How's that? <laughs> like a rock that we're going to name <laughs> naughty, disgusting things. They're so fucking disgusting. It's it's great. Oh, wonderful. I know. Dude, that was an amazing story, though, before we sideline it with gross talk. but Oh, yeah. That's an amazing story, Scott. I got more, but it's fucking late, man. It's way past my bedtime. Oh, yeah. No, you're going to be on again. Oh, maybe. <laughs> like, without a doubt. <laughs> if, assuming you want to. Oh, of course I because, do. Because, oh, yeah, I do. This I, is fucking awesome. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I, 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 there were things that I knew that I knew freeform and whatnot. It's in the back of my head. I go, I got to tell the Emma story. Uh, and I, I got to tell the Austin story. <laughs> I, wish I, had, I wish I had saved the Austin story to the end because that's my favorite story. That is, that is, oh, that's a good that, one too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you've got good stories too. So next time we get together, I want you to make a list, Joe. I want you to make a list. These are, <laughs> these are stories I want to tell that, or maybe you can go on. We'll do a, we'll do a follow up my story, my story show. And you could tell all of your great stories. I want to hear all about, uh, and we talked about how you met your wife. Uh, we know what's important to you, you know, but I'm, I know, you know, all of us have those stories. I'm just older. So I have more of them. And I was a fucking idiot. So, you know, I got a lot to learn from. What's the price of wisdom? Pain. Pain, Pain brother. <laughs> <laughs> and you went through it, didn't you? Yeah, I'm going through it now, too, man. I'm, t- oh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, that was fucking great, All man. right. Appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much for being on. And, yeah, I know it's way <laughs> Ah, you know what? This is about the same time I stepped in dog shit last night. So we're good. I hope that when I go to bed, there is no dog shit waiting for me. There might. There's a 50-50 shot. If there is, I'll rant about it on my show. And I will say it's your fault, Joe. <laughs> I, I hope you don't go back and find any shit. <laughs> that, would be, that would be wonderful. I do have, I also have the magic pill waiting for me. Uh, I, I, uh, when I was on Fentramine, they gave me a prescription for, uh, uh, Ambien. Oh, there you go. Have you ever used Ambien? No, I've talked to people who do though, and they swear by it. And so I'm like, okay, that's something I definitely don't want to try. I will be asleep in five minutes, brother. It's going <laughs> to oh, be I guarantee you I'm going to be asleep in five minutes. Well, too. no, I mean, it's, it is the greatest thing. Ambien is no fucking joke, man. The night you can't sleep, I am done. It's so awesome. Yeah. After I lost my <laughs> shit last night, it was 2 a.m. in the morning. Couldn't sleep. Took one of those things. You bet. Love it. This this StarCast is brought to you by Ambien. <laughs> when you sleep step in tight. shit and you're too up to sleep and you've got a long fucking StarCast the next day. That's it. I'll shut up now. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much, dude. This was awesome. All right. You're welcome. Thanks, Joe. If you have any questions or comments on what you just heard, you can email me at startcastpod at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at the Tubby Ninja, or you can check out my Facebook page at facebook.com slash startcastpod. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs>